Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey. And Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Manu. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. And today is just another amazing day that will go down in the books for Better Together because we are really going to know better after this interview today. Our quote of the day on this Tuesday, January 12th, 2021. 
The problems we face today eventually turn into blessings in the rearview mirror of life. And that is from our guest today, the author of Green Lights, Mr. Matthew McConaughey, who I am very excited to share with you guys today. His book has been um, on the New York Times bestseller list for quite some time now. Jeff 11 knows. weeks. 11 weeks. There we go. Um, he has a lot of... Uh, a lot of practical brilliance to share with us. This isn't your typical memoir. He didn't want it to be. And I really like that he kind of flipped it upside down and made it his own, just like he's made his career his own. Um, I really loved this line in here. So he talks about in the book, uh, there's a story where he decided out of high school to go be a foreign exchange student in Australia. And uh, he you know, was super excited about, you know, the beaches. He kept thinking of like El McPherson and just this whole experience. And when the family picked him up, the Dooleys, they picked him up. They're like, oh, we live in the outskirts or whatever with their accent. I think they actually had a British accent. And, uh, you know, in this city. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And then they got to that place. He goes, wait, I thought this was where we were going. No, no, no. It's actually another, another you know, city, it's, it's even better. And they kept going further and further and further out of, was it Sydney? Yep. Sydney. Outskirts of Sydney. Okay. Jeff, we can't hear, but we'll figure that Jeff, out. Can we hear you now? Check, check. There we go. There's Jeff. So I thought it was Melbourne, but it's totally fine. It was one of the Sydney. Two. It was, it was one Sydney. of the Australian cities. Okay. Anyhow. So Kev, they just kept going and going and going and going. And it was hours and hours and hours away from Australia. They, the last city they left, the population was 305 people, if I remember correctly. And then they got to the city <laughs> or the village or whatever. And then the experience there got weirder and weirder and weirder. And when he signed up, they the, the Rotary Club was like, we think you'd be an amazing representative uh, of our city here in Texas, right? And, and they go, but you got to sign a contract to say you won't come back like all the other kids. They like rush home, they get homesick. He's like, I'm doing a handshake deal. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, cancel. I'm gonna stay. So he ends up with this wackadoodle family, and the stories are so brilliant and hilarious and torturous. And it is like a bit of a horror movie because at the end, it's like they want him to call. They want him to call them mama and papa. And he's like, well, with all due respect, like I have a mama and a papa. <laughs> See, that's where you got to be like me and fall in. Yep. Hi, uh, mom, dad. Love yeah. you. <laughs> and then, whatever it takes. Exactly. And then this one scene is so horrific. But they're like, give her the daughter. Give her a kiss on the lippies. Ew. <laughs> and they keep forcing this situation on him. And he's like mortified. Yeah. I want to know if he has any... How old, how old is he? Sorry. He's no, like 18. Fine. That's so yeah, crazy. Would you say, Kelsey, you wanted to know? Oh, I just... I want to know if these people or he knows has had any contact with these mm. people in recent years, right? If they're like, oh, shit, that was Matthew McConaughey. You know, I'm just... I'm so curious. Well, so removed. I'm sure right? they now know... Um, and I'm sure their names are not the Dooleys. I'm sure he changed their actual names. However... Um, it was uh, pretty horrific and ended with Matthew really having to exert himself. <laughs> we won't spoil it for you, but it was pretty insane. Like, it was an insane story. And he had to live with 
these people. And he really sucked it up for a long well, time. Like ex- such a masochist just ex- stayed and hung in. But those experiences, you know, Ben don't break. If you can be bent and not broken, I mean, just as an artist, but also as life. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I have so many of those. And everyone's mm-hmm. always like, I envy. I'm like, yeah, but, you know. You I suffered. Yeah. Yeah, they sucked. But you have stories to tell. So this is a line where he's talking about, um, you know, he says, a year that also planted the seeds of a notion that continues to guide me. Life's hard. Shit happens to us. We make shit happen. To me, it was inevitable that I was staying the entire year because I'd shaken on it. I'd made a voluntary obligation with myself that there was no going back. So I got relative. And we're going to talk about that with him today. I denied the reality that the Dooleys were off their rocker. It was a crisis. I just didn't give the crisis credit. I treaded water until I crossed the finish line. I persisted. I upheld my father's integrity. And while I was going crazy, I kept telling myself that there was a lesson I was put there to learn, that there was a silver lining in all of it, that I needed to go through hell to get to the other side, and I did. We cannot fully appreciate the light without the shadows. We have to be thrown off balance to find our footing. It's better to jump than fall. And here I am. Damn. Guys, he's such incredible. a gifted writer. He's just so well, he's gifted. An artist. He's so evolved. Yeah. He's an yeah. artist. He's evolved. But he also, like, he really has taken the time to feel when he's out of alignment or off his frequency and go find it and do the hard work it takes well, to get yourself now, back in. But what I'm hearing... Nobody did his whole life when you read the book. But what I'm hearing is, and, and, and again, I think all three of you, Kelsey, Jeff, and Maria, you know, you it comes down to parenting, which most parents, unfortunately, sorry parents out there, most of you have failed, which is why you see this disaster that we have Honey, as a country. not like, our people. I'm saying our people did well, that, oh. and including your mom and dad. Thank you. Because you guys all were given, like his dad, and I don't know, and his mom, if you read the book, just gave him so many pearls and integrity. And I, I will tell you guys that 18. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Teen, I, I, well, and God, I mean, I love my dad. I think about him every day. He's been gone for 30 years, every day, multiple times a day. Yep. And yet I don't. I, at 18, I wasn't like, you know, my dad always said this. My dad always mm. told me that. Like my, you know, like, and and I will say just as if you're a parent with young kids now and the show's all about learning, I will tell you how important it is because Kelsey, 
and Jeff, I'm always hearing you guys reference your mom and dad, Maria, yeah. and you hear it from Matthew. And I'm mm-hmm. and I'm just saying, like, at 18, yes, I was in those situations, but I was probably more like Adam Carolla, where he was in a lot of messed up situations too. But we just flew blind. It was just like, all right, throw me into this, and this this will either I'll sink or swim. I'll have a few laughs, like you know what I mean. Like, I'll, and now, yeah, looking back, I learned many painful lessons from those things or <laughs> or or we have a lot to laugh about yeah but it's really cool when you have it all comes down to parenting mm-hmm. yes and you do have people that i mean god you see how many people come out of the ghetto with no mothers or fathers or maybe just a mom or a grandmother in there special people and i swear to god it's the work of the angels but I, but to me that's what i when i see you and i see kelsey and i see jeff and, and how evolved you guys are and then you hear matthew it just that it was parenting, right? He was going back to those tools at eighteen. Like my dad Absolutely. said this, and my you know Kelsey, I always hear it's like mm-hmm. Kelsey calls her parents by their first name, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and you've been doing it since you were a kid, which I think is even more hilarious. But it's always like, well, Doug says this, well, Deb always says that, mm-hmm. and Maria yeah. all the time. And same with Jeff. Like I, I hear those references. I'm like, that's really really cool and that's why yeah. you guys are who you are but you idolized you know? your dad kev and I you did. still pull out his no. lessons and you talk about them all the time but it was not but it wasn't he wasn't putting your parents were investing more focus my dad was he just had that american dream got bad of like i'm gonna work 18 jobs and give my kids everything mm. you know what i'm saying and so i had to pull out of him and then i had to watch what he was doing mm. but i wasn't never i was never consciously going into things it was just like you know, work hard, get A's, and become a lawyer. It yeah. was it was never – and then, you know, thank God in his deathbed, we had great exchanges and moments where he was like, oh, no, 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 that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. But but you guys had, like, parents who were just, like, pulling you aside and going, look, this is how you need to life, or this is, this is a decision you should make, or there's consequences here. You know, even with your dad, you know, saying about who his – show me who your friends are, I'll show you who you are. And about not making popular decisions as a parent and just all that stuff. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. And and I I think that a lot of, you know, Jeff and Kelsey are going to be parents one day. Uh, we're we're going to be parents one day. Um, but I think for if you are a parent now and you have young children, I think it's just being so present with them. It's not about the, um, you know, I don't think it's as much about paying for the activities and buying them all the stuff. I, I, I think that's what's gone awry. I think it's really conscious time with them to like you got you guys got you know mm-hmm. like you you were yeah. working with your dad at a bar yeah. cleaning floors but guess what we had time together yeah yeah so important yeah well we all stopped and took our break together and we would eat lunch and you know i remember sitting in the nightclub when you know we were looking at all the work we had piled up to do and we would talk about going to greece and see where we're from or we would talk about you know things like that so all right guys we are talking, obviously, about the green lights in our life with our special guest today, Matthew McConaughey, and how to take a fresh look at the opportunities afforded us. So for today's Duncan break, we're going to be trying energizing Duncan refreshers. So if you're not exactly in the mood for coffee, my darling, if you want something refreshing and light, then you need to try Duncan refreshers. They are fruity, green tea-based drinks that are packed with B vitamins and flavor for less than 200 calories. You get renewing energy from the green tea. Love my green tea. It's really cool. There are no artificial colors or flavors. Damn. They come in two vibrant flavors, strawberry passion fruit. That would be my jam. My jam. 
uh, peach passion fruit, which is probably Kelsey's jam. Yeah, that sounds right. And so uh, (laughs) they are fabulous in color. They are delicious. We enjoy them here. And you do get the B vitamins, which we like. How cool. Dunkin' Donuts, Honey, Dunkin' Donuts is unbelievable D&D. actually shit i'm not supposed to say unbelievable matthew mcconaughey taught That's us that right. word is terrible <laughs> he did. Um, it is believable because it is happening and and duncan's ups Good their sex. game and they continue to bring in new amazing products and and experiences is, for us and is so it a boom bad thing me and my my staff um i have a long night of work ahead is a bad thing that i'm gonna take out one of my classic cars to go to Dunkin's to get a nice coffee. No, I think you can go right get your now. Dunkin' refresher. Yeah, because you're healthier. <sighs> nice refresher. That sounds so good. It is tasty. Yeah. Your they just elevate. They elevate their game. You can go for tea, coffee, refreshers. I I think what I've loved about this Dunkin' partnership is realizing how broad their menu is you know i think if you're not familiar with duncan you may wrongly think that your options are coffee and donuts but no it's really becoming this almost like a luxury brand with how many options you have on that menu so plant-based test you right now yeah you're gonna test me yeah oh i'm I'm here i'm ready okay let's do it oh the mini bagels with the cream cheese are my new favorites (laughs) we have one of our polka nights that you know we've been talking about right you know we get the polka band there we've got the music playing we're gonna you know we'll all be dancing the polka right what do we serve Oof. Mm-hmm. Dunkin' Refreshers? D- yes, hello. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Poker Nights and Dunkin' Refreshers go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. Uh, great way to get a sip of sunshine this winter. So you guys check out the Dunkin' Refreshers. In the meantime, before we get to our conversation with Matthew, I want to ask each and every one of you what your favorite performance of his was. Whoa. Oh, boy. I can I can jump in. If, get it, Jeff. Uh, you know, for me, uh, there are so many. But... Wolf, Wolf of Wall <laughs> Street. That is, that's Wolf of Wall Street. Incredible. <clears throat> by the way, talk about I... just stealing a movie. He's only in there for like two seconds. I know, it's but like... think of, by the way, I didn't even think about this, but Leo was the one that saw him doing that. Yep. And so what's that thing you're doing? And he goes, why don't we do that? It was like their fifth or sixth take. They had already gotten it in the can. And he goes, do that. Leo, yeah, so just, such a director. See where you have great on great. Yeah, but even Matthew write, rewrites scripts and stuff like that. Just yeah. Like, this one you have like Exactly. Great, great on great. Leo, not jealous, not wants to make the yeah, best. Yeah, they all want to make great art together. And uh, I got the chills. Like it's so, it must be so like, exciting to be around people yeah. that just want to be great. Well, like we sweet, get to do yeah. that here. Yeah. But in my former professional life, that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you have people who are, you know, not great. Yeah, well, they're, they're, <laughs> they want to take you down. Well, they want to also just be stars and suck up all the light. Yeah, yeah. And rather than like, no, 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 we're here to make the most insane, insanely amazing movie, mm-hmm. you know, or project, whatever it is. So yeah. that's it. You see that all the time, and it's rare. Character actors usually give that, sadly, mm-hmm. and it's rare that the stars do because it's all about them but that look at that's two guys that were mm-hmm. just like no we're here to make the best that's so one good. of my favorites for sure so jeff yeah. what was yours well it's so there's so many options but i'm a big christopher nolan fan um and interstellar i like that movie i don't love that movie as much as some of his others but there's one specific scene in that movie that i don't want to give away if you haven't seen interstellar but he has this complicated relationship with his daughter and he's watching old footage of her that the movie kind of twists and reinvents. And over this silent screen, he just starts weeping. And it's the mm. most real, like genuine, authentic on-screen portrayal of weeping and crying that I've ever seen in a movie. Wow. Wow. For me, 
that is the Matthew McConaughey performance that just I'm like, you are a very Oof. gifted actor. Jeff Scan. I can't believe I haven't seen that. Jeffrey Did you ever see Interstellar? That's probably why I haven't. No. You know no. what? I obviously Dallas Buyers Club won him an Oscar for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think that any time someone whether it's him or Charlize Theron, of course she did it too, where they transform into somebody that is so not like them. And, you know, for him, he had to lose an extraordinary amount of weight and really uh, go to places. I just thought he was incredible. And then, of course, I've loved him in the rom-coms and stuff because he's so lovable and, like, charming and... The whole thing. Those so. are my jam. I'm a big how to lose a guy in 10 days. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. The wedding planner. The wedding planner. Oh, yeah. my sister yeah. and I would watch it over and over. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Um, oh, you know. The... Dazed and Confused is my like run, runner up one mm-hmm. because yeah. it's just so fun. But then. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. But then Dallas Buyers. When you read the me. book, you get to know where that came from. I thought that was so cool. And, I, was... think, and I think I honestly think with him, this probably going to be three or four more. That we're going in his career that we're going to say three or four more what like roles that we're going to like highly debate he's going to you know what i mean just the choices yeah. he makes yeah you'll see you well know, when you see the interview he definitely says he is still going to be in front mm-hmm. of the camera mm-hmm. and so what medium that's in he doesn't care it seems um and you'll get to know more about that but um i guess without further ado Let's uh, let's roll, Mr. Double M. Matthew McConaughey is one of the world's most respected actors, representing a rare intersection of critical, commercial, and cultural appreciation that few, if any, actors have ever achieved. He's virtually unmatched in his ability to ping-pong between commercially appreciated leading man roles to towering performances in prestigious films, such as his portrayal of real-life HIV advocacy crusader Ron Woodruff, a performance which won him over 24 industry awards, including the Best Actor Award. In addition to his groundbreaking cinematic performances, Matthew is a pioneer for his work on TV, executive producing and starring in HBO's critically acclaimed series True Detective, which most critics hail as the best TV show of the decade. That performance has permanently shifted cultural perceptions of the medium, with many A-listers now seeking out TV projects as their go-to destination when forecasting their career. Now, outside of acting, Matthew is respected as a uniquely three-dimensional voice. His thoughtful approaches to faith, philosophy, and art have earned him a level of unparalleled respect in and outside of the business, with many feelings like he represents with many feeling like he represents the voice of the people. Outlets have called his groundbreaking new memoir, Green Lights, brilliant, genius, and wildly unexpected for its compelling stories from his past, sharp observations about the nature of existence, and brilliant advice for us all as we stare into the eyes of an uncertain future. I am very, very honored to introduce one of my favorite actors on the planet, Matthew McConaughey. Thank you wow. for being here. Can we go on the road? Can I have that recording of that introduction? Where I can just play, <laughs> yes. Play that three-dimensional. Oh, this is great. Thank you. Thank you. We like to give the intro that no one else has given and the yeah. one that you so deserve yeah. and maybe never would have gotten if we didn't put all the time into it. So uh, I Love. give all the credit to Jeff. He is uh, He is incredible with this. And it's all... All right, friends. Let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. All true. And when you think about it, yeah, I mean, I saw you nodding. You're like, yeah. I did. I did kind of change the TV landscape here. And, um, and it's all true. And I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, I think the only time I've interviewed you has been in the entertainment capacity of, you know, a a Hollywood movie. And one of the things that was striking to me was the landscape has changed, right? So now it's podcasters, and um, these other mediums that are available to you as you're promoting something. And as I watch stuff, because I always do my research, I'm an uber nerd, and I know even you talk about in the book, like once you are prepared, you can have the freedom that you need to do what you really want to do. Um, but some of the interviews I watched, I wanted to be like, shut up, it's Matthew McConaughey, let him talk. But then at the same time... <laughs> These are people who aren't interviewers by trade, but they have something else to offer. And so I wondered what it was like for you to kind of be in that new space and what were the pluses and minuses of it all? Yeah, um, well, mostly pluses, I'm going to say. I don't know any minuses. Look, for one thing, for a book tour, which I've never done, but even in, say, if this was a, a movie tour like I've traditionally done, you'd physically be in most of these places. Um, the other morning I was, um, virtually remotely like this in Italy at 7 a.m., United Kingdom at 8 a.m., New York at 9, L.A. at 10, and having lunch with my kids at 11.01 live. Couldn't have done that and been in those places. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have to go do makeup and wardrobe. I didn't have to drive or fly and all these different things. And the second thing is... You know, you and I talk on a red carpet. We have five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different, that's a different art, you know, to talk for five minutes than to talk for 30 minutes, an hour. I enjoy the longer form. Um, I do like to talk and give context to things. I'm not, you know, in today's society where we love a clickbait, we need that headliner, we need that mm-hmm. one line, we need, you know, you don't, we don't if I'm going to talk to you on a red carpet, you don't want to hear me talking to you about my process of acting for the role. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, we're on, we got five minutes. It's like going on a talk show. It's like, it's a different art form. It's more like creating difference from a movie to an advertisement. 30, mm-hmm. can you get a message across in 30 seconds compared to two hours in a film or something? So I'm enjoying the long form. My main enjoyment is this. Um, and is this, if this would have happened, if I'd have been going around live, I would have enjoyed it that way as well. But my main enjoyment is this. The book seems to be translating to people in particular ways to them. 
Mm-hmm. So I shared my story. I did have a hunch and a hope that the more personal I got, the more relatable it would be to the more most amount of people that it would reveal, because it is a story about humanity, though it's I'm the subject of it in the book that I wrote. But to hear people, we're talking about similar subjects in the book, but everybody has a different particular story about what they got from it or what character they were in a similar story in their own life mm-hmm. that was similar to the story that I told in mine. That's been the most fun. That means the art that the book is translated it in that way it's similar to making a good movie or having a good performance people see themselves in it, mm-hmm. it, it they they see somebody they know oh that person was so-and-so or oh they know they know more about themselves by seeing a character or learn more about themselves or see themselves in you and that's been the fun reciprocity of the of the, the book tour which i've i've said if this is you know if people keep wanting to talk about it uh, i i don't think i'll ever get tired of this I love that. I know. I wondered, like, you know, you you make New York Times bestseller lists and all of that. And do you say, I'm done, but you're still going. And I think that you're going because the fire inside is so authentic. There's so much you want to share. And we want it. And by the way, it's a time when we need it kind of the most. So many people are at those crossroads of who they were and who they want to become. And this book is so perfectly timed to aid you in that in that journey. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, I, it's, it's the most truest, most permanent expression or art form that I've put out of me. I do a film. I'm doing someone else's script. I mean, directed by someone else, lensed in a camera by someone else, edited by someone else before it gets to a screen in front of you. That's four filters from my raw expression. Mm-hmm book was me going, no, these are my stories. I've lived them. This is how I saw it. I've been writing things down for 36 years. Let me see if it's worth sharing. I'm going to share it. There's only one filter. It's the written word. No filters is what we're doing now. We're talking live. This is one take and it's you and I, there's no filter between this, but the book is one filter. So it got rid of three of those filters of my own creative expression. Um, And, you know, when I look back, I was like, oh, wow, you do have some wild stories oh wow that you have taken a lot of risk oh wow you have crossed some wisdom bombs along the way that you've tried to put in practice and seen work or ones you saw didn't work that you thought would you had some bright ideas that didn't work and boy, okay. <laughs> so i saw all this when i went yeah. back and looked at all the uh journals and 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 so it is a chronology of my last 50 uh years but again i'm just really finding pleasure that people are seeing themselves in it and being inspired or just going and also getting a sense of humor in in the pain mm-hmm. that, that that i that i was able to to find that other people are going oh i'm i, I, I was able to find that or i'm gonna find that next time um you know in dealing with success and failure in dealing with crises and great times um and that's, you know, in there lies, there's, there's an art of living. We're all trying to get through this rodeo mm-hmm. called life. And, you know, sometimes we sabotage it. And if we don't, some, something on the outside of the world will. And here we are in a time right now where there's more imbalance um, than ever, before, than, than I can sure remember. Um, and we are wanting things that we can go, wait, give me something I can rely on. Give me something that I can go, something, maybe a little good news and all the bad news. How about that's something not, I can believe? That, that's not. That's more than a Hallmark card. That's more than just a fluffy. Hey, mm-hmm. you can do it. No, okay, this going. You know. So hopefully, I mean, I'm hearing that that some people are going. Hey, you're giving me a solid footing 
what you, some things you're sharing in this book are giving me a solid footing for which to, I can go forward on and trust in and believe in and be excited about mm-hmm. in this time where I was going, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to make the next step. And we're all looking, trying to make the right <laughs> steps forward. And if the book can help people do that, then I, that, that, uh, that feels good to me. I think that's how we all felt reading it. I think your speech, your commencement speech from the University of Houston was kind of the prelude to this. Because as I watched it back, there were some things that were in that that were in the book. So when you sat down to write that speech, did you use your your journal entries or like was that kind of step one for you? I think I think it was. And you're right. And looking back, I do think it was. Um, look, I've been threatening to write a book for the last 15 years. I just had, didn't have the courage to open up that treasure chest of journals to go see what was in it because I was scared to do so. Was and it so, all really in a physical chest? It's a physical wooden chest that that has slowly grown. I'll get diaries. <laughs> I'll fill one up. I fill up a diary. I put it in two major um, big Ziplocs and, and a rubber band around it in case, I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking. In case I'm somewhere Flood. where it floods. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I put them in a Ziploc and I put them in there. And so it's gotten to where over the last five years where it's filled up where the, the lid no longer closes and starting to overflow. And I take it with me everywhere and I'll be like, it's that one of those things where I'm like, if the house burns down, get the dogs and get my treasure chest. You take That's the whole that. chest with you? Because like I on keep movie tell, sets I've been and telling stuff? myself for 15 years, have it there because I'm daring you to open it up and see what's in there to write a book. Wow. So I take it. And I never have had the courage to do so until a couple of years ago. Wow. Uh, which I finally did. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the other questions I had when I was reading this was why haven't you written all these years? Why have you not written? Well, I mean, I have. I mean, I write, you know, every director I work with knows that I write. I write and rewrite scenes and always always have. Mm -hmm. But we don't get to see that. Right. I mean, in the process, I'm always... I mean, we do, but (laughs) we don't know that it's happening behind the scenes. you know, I, I wrote a I wrote a script uh, years ago about the Australian story. It just wasn't With as the good as the Australian story. <laughs> you know what I mean? The script wasn't as good, and so I said. Ah. But how? When they say write, they say write what you know about. So that experience with the Dooleys was brilliant. And by the way, that was maybe one of my biggest laughs. Is when everybody laughed at you and thought, "Oh, they pulled the biggest prank on you." I'm like, what? <laughs> pricks they all fucked with you so hard i remember my mom always struggling with her hair it's frizzy maria my mom would say in her greek accent what do you have i tried so hard to find her products i wish i could share these products i'm using now with her because i know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. <laughs> Completely got me. I almost lost my. I did lose my mind. Um, 
Well, to put it in script form, I just didn't, uh, it wasn't a good script. I could tell the story mm-hmm. and it takes me 43 minutes to tell it verbally. And I've performed it before and people are like, that is the greatest story. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. It's a black comedy. But Kiss then when I tried to the put words in script form, <laughs> it wasn't as good as that story. Kiss um, her on the lippies. <laughs> yeah, I'm on, on the lippies. Go ahead now. I can't. I was throwing up reading this. I'm like, I can't even believe he was in this position. And I could feel myself in your shoes being like, holy shit, what do I do? How do I handle this right now? So good. Oh, trust me. I was wondering myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, but I've always, you know, I've got the stories. The stories weren't written. The stories I've told. So I've told them. And then now I wrote them for the first time. Um, what I write daily is plugging in these things like prescriptions, poems, prayers, people, something someone will say, uh, something I'll hear that I'll go, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to write that down in a conversation we're having right now. You may say something. I'll go write it down mm-hmm. so I can forget it because if I don't write it down, I'm going to be thinking in the back of my head while we're talking. Oh, don't forget that thing. She said, don't forget that thing. So then I'm not present. Right. So I'll always at dinner. I do it all the time. Pull out my phone and tell everyone. Guys, I'm not writing anyone that's not here. I'm actually writing something down that was inspired by this conversation so I can forget it and be back and present in the conversation. Because if I don't write it down, I'm going to be wondering through this entire dinner, don't forget that thing. Mm -hmm. So I go through and just write jot down things through the day that inspire me. Usually it's philosophy, things, ways of approaching life that I want to say, oh, can I apply that in my own life? Can I? If I apply that, will that give me more joy? Will that help me get more of what I want? Um, And then I've learned, you know, I try to write things down when things are going well. What are my habits? Things are going well. And I try Mm -hmm. to write things down when things suck. Um, And uh, I found that writing things down when things are going well, you can go back to them in your journal when you are in a rut. Mm -hmm. You go, what was I doing back there when I was rolling, when I was on my frequency? And I found things to go, oh, who was I hanging out with? What was I drinking? What time was I going to sleep? Da, da, da. How was I greeting the day? And I'll find that a lot of times when I'm in a rut, I've forgotten some of those good habits that I had. And if I start to enact them again, it can help me get back calibrated and back on the rails again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always call it alignment. So I have like my spiritual notebook that I'll journal in. And when I'm out of alignment, I go to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot. That's what I need to do. Yeah. And so we think... Helps when we're in alignment that we're never going to forget it because ta-da, it makes so so much sense. Mm -hmm. And the thing is we will forget it, jot it down and Mm -hmm. keep practicing. Cause I mean, it's, it's, there's many things I've written down a lot of things, but there's many things I forgot that I wish I would have wrote down because I was like, I actually was took it for granted that I actually would, Oh no, this truth is so obvious Mm -hmm. that I forget this. And then three months later being a rut, going like what what was it what was that what was that thing I was on I forgot it damn yeah and when you're when you know what alignment feels like when you're out it hurts so much more yep so it's nice to have that answer key there yeah just as a you know and it's not like you read the what you were doing you were alignment or what I call being on frequency and you're like oh okay now I'm back it just it's usually a few habits to change you know how do you greet the day do you pop right up and hop right on the internet and in, 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 in engage with what the rest of the world is doing before you've actually sat with yourself and been quiet for a moment to see what does my day hold ahead of me? How did I sleep? How am I feeling? What are we going to, you know? So it's usually habits that just help 
kind of help us get recalibrated to do the things that make us give us the most satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't a chest of scripts anywhere. No, there's not. There's two, there's two scripts. There's another, I've got another story that was inspired from my African trip, which is a, uh, a magic reality story. It's a children's tale about a young fisherman named Curtis Milov, but that's, that's, that's an original. And then the Australian people have come to me wanting to make the Australian story uh, into a film or a series, which I'm entertaining. But if I did that, I might, I might have to direct that because I remember the little mm-hmm. it's a delicate story <laughs> and reality and, and humor and, and, and uh, a horror picture. Yes, um, that's exactly what it felt like. A freaking living horror movie <laughs> with like a politeness around it that was awkward. Very awkward. Yes, there was there was very much a Matthew. I'd like to talk to you about your choice of words. Wait, why is he speaking with an English accent? Oh, that's right. He's got Winston Churchill and that big wooden frame in his office, but he's Australian. Why does he sound English? I came to find out that that meant because we spoke a bit English, he sounded a bit taller and he was only five foot four. Mm. And he's like, yes, um, a while ago, you said that the man who invented the hamburger was a uh, smart, but the man who invented the cheeseburger was a genius. Matty, that is merely your opinion. And you were learning your time here not to uh, voice your opinion for the masses. Whoa. <laughs> uh, um, basically what it means is I, I like cheeseburgers more than I like hamburgers. Ah, as I said in your time here, you will learn not to voice your opinion for the masses and say things like the man who invented the hamburger was smart, but the man who invented the cheeseburger was a genius because, Matthew, that is merely your opinion. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was odd. But perfect. So then <laughs> yes, but perfect. It, it makes me wonder also, is there a part two to Green Lights? Because mm. I, I imagine it was hard to condense. You've lived such a full life. And I went to bed last night. I've been researching all week, reading, watching, studying, everything. I went to bed and I was like, my last words to my husband were like, God, he's really lived such a cool, fun, full life of all kind of parts. Highs, lows, middles, diagonals. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why don't we all have the balls to live that kind of life? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, there's got to be a part two, because there's no way there are, there are so many stories that are on the cutting room floor. There, there's a lot. And this is this book was probably 25 to 30 percent of my my journals and diaries. Um, you know, in doing the book tour, I've crystallized some ideas from that I proposed in Greenlights um, that make me think, oh, that could be shared. That could be an evolution of green lights. I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm interested in sort of what's the word, uh, re cooking the souffle. I'm, 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 I don't know if I'm interested in like going green lights part two, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It may be something completely original. I've got some, some, uh, uh, general themes now uh, that are, that lean into some of the themes of green lights, like, uh, chasing yet, you know, us to realize that, there are no, you don't have the Tada moment in life to realize that because we're all such a result oriented people that we think that, oh, if I can just get there, then I've got it. And you, we get there and we find out, oh, we don't actually got it. We actually, we opened up a thousand new ambitions or new paths opened mm-hmm. up. So if we can realize that 
we can just stay in the race and commit to the chase in life of trying to get a little bit better each day. That's as good as it gets. And that's the game. That's if we're, it's one, it's life's a verb. It's one big process. And that's the chasing yet. The no, it's, it's sort of what I meant when I said in the Oscar speech after I won Best Actor, my heroes me in 10 years. That's a version of just saying, you just keep chasing it. You'll never get there. That's the point. So if I'm chasing my heroes, me in 10 years and a year from now, he's not nine years away. He's another 10 years away. It's always that, that amount away. So it's chasing our better selves, our more transcendent selves. I even think it works for countries. America, America is an aspiration. We're not going to have perfect equality in America. But if we keep chasing that, getting a little bit better at it and have a little ascension in our evolution as a people and nation, that's as good as it gets. And we'll never get there. And I think that's that's the point that people also think if you don't get there, well, then they're disappointed because they never arrived. Well, we get less disappointed with not arriving when we realize that there's really no arrival. Mm. Yeah. So those are some things I'm thinking about. How do you... How do you tell someone that hasn't arrived where they want to arrive, right? Because the arrival is important until you've arrived, right? Because once you've arrived, you learn the lesson that the arrival isn't yet (laughs) and that it's not the end. But only like you and I have arrived at our our destinations in a sense, right? Like our, our dreams were such, we made them happen. And then there were new dreams that were born and new dreams that were born and new goalposts all the time. Right. Like you talk about, um, you talk as a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Talk about, um, you know, leveling up or, or you know, you had your self-imposed yellow lights and red lights that led to your green lights. To me, I look at things like a video game. So life is like a video game. We're always, you know, trying to go to the next level and we're going to have some tough moments and the game's going to get faster and harder and all the way. But you have to just keep, you know, making it to that next level. But when someone hasn't gotten to that level yet, it's hard for them to understand right? What you're saying, because they've never gotten there. They've not never gotten to that kind of peak where they're like, whoa, I made it. I did something. I did something I wanted to do. Well, let me, let me say this. Like you just said a term, it's like a video game. And the more you get, the faster and harder it gets. That is usually the mentality is we think of life as an achievement and success as a vertical pursuit. The higher you get, the faster and harder it gets. 
I propose we, we should often maybe think about it more as a lateral pursuit, that actually it's not a, the further you go, we don't get faster and harder. It gets wider and deeper, meaning I'm 51 now. I have three children my and, and, and Camilla and a wife and a family. My next however many years, my new goals don't necessarily mean a bunch of new goals. They mean trying to be better at the maintenance of taking care of the things that I've already built. Now that comes later in life. When you're younger, you don't have a family Your value system changes. You want to aspire to get there. Um, I would say we as a people need to redefine success. I bring up in the book, we all want to be relative. You're damn right we do. But let's not forget to ask ourselves relative for what? Um, because America tells you, you get respect and you can have a seat at the table and go to the front of the line if you are rich and famous. Two things of which we actually are. But if those two are at the top of the list that we're telling our peers and children to say, that's what you got to have to make it. I'm not, nothing against rich money and fame, very much for it, but not at the expense of who you are and your character and integrity and trying to do, try to be the best person you can be. And we still award people for getting rich and famous, even if they burn bridges and screwed people over all the way to getting there. We still go, well, you made it. Hey, I don't care how much carnage is in your past way to get here. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's really, that's a, that's a justified reward. Yeah. I agree. I just, I think it's, it, there's always that little bit of a disconnect for people who haven't made it yet to understand that feeling. Yeah. Well, I've, let me, let me say this about not making it and, and precipitating this on, yes, I understand I'm speaking from a position, a privileged position, position that I feel like I've earned myself to get to, but you know, I can sit here and talk about assets of hanging out with being able to hang out with my family more in the COVID time. Well, that what that what, what's the what's the family that just lost their job who can't put food in their pantry going, well, that's great. Well, I'm not trying to deny that as being a crisis of trying to make it or achieve in life. We don't it's, it's we don't always know what we want to do. All right. But I think we can do a better job, especially younger in age of let's start eliminating what we don't want to do, who we are not. And because it's damn hard to know what we want to do or how to achieve what we want to do. And if we get in that position, great. It's still hard, but it's hard to, especially when you're younger. So just start by eliminating those things in your life that don't feed who you are, that you are going to have a hangover sleeping with tomorrow. Because if you did that today, you're going to be like, ooh, I feel icky. Have a little bit... Give it more of an appreciation and be selfish to yourself and understanding delayed gratification for yourself. Be kind and cool to your future self. So think about those things. If we can project as far out in front of us as we can and say, what would myself think about this choice I'm going to make? What would myself in five years from now, 10 years from now, think about this choice I'm going to make? Um, is it something that I would, would, would live on? Is it something I would be honored with? I'm going to be proud with? Is it also something trade business? Is it something that's going to be in demand? Because I want to make money too. I want to supply something I want that's in demand out there. 
So it's not, I'm not talking about a kumbaya, just everybody go, you know, um, meditate and say, we don't, money doesn't matter. Yes, it does. We want to succeed and money makes the world go around. It's a great tool. But how do you fill your bank account and your soul's account? There's a way to do both. And I'm sure not, I haven't batted a hundred percent on it. I haven't been a Puritan on it. I've failed and I've done my own share of lying and cheating and stealing and, and have, <laughs> have some, some penance to pay. Uh, <laughs> but I've, I, I do think I've done pretty good at realizing, Oh, nah, that's not, you don't, that's not the guy you want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You bogeyed right there. You screwed up, but that's not who you are. And we're not going to do that because that made a debit. I've, you know, we do those things that, may put something in our bank account, so to speak, but make a big debit in our soul's account. That's going to bite. It's going to bite us later. It's going to bite us later. I like that. A debit in my soul's account. That's a good one. Um, Since you talked about crisis and we are in a crisis and you talk about um, how to navigate crisis in the book, I don't remember what page it was on. I have like so many notes in here, but what are your kind of steps as you've learned to yeah. navigate crisis that you can share with people who are watching right now? Um, stabilize, organize, and then respond. You know, not react, like you said in the book. Yeah, yeah you got to, things take longer than I think we give them credit for. Now, there are certain situations of crisis like, oh, my gosh, so-and-so, you know, choking on the candy. Go. It's not the time to pray about it and say, well, let's stabilize. What should we do? No, go, go, go handle it. You know, the old the old adage, the tornado's coming. Don't take a knee and pray about it. Mm-hmm. No, run. You know what I mean? So there's times to react and, and, and move. But you look at what, look at the world we're living in now. We're, we're trying to stabilize because um, we sure as hell ain't organized <laughs> and we're not ready to respond now. So we are responding in certain ways that are awkward, which are revealing that, Hey, we are unstable. We need to stabilize and find what's the common denominator here that we can all, what's the frequency we can all tune into and go, I'm not like you here. And I may disagree with you here, but I'll agree with you on that value. So I can have a little bit of trust in mankind again, or a little bit of trust in my neighbor again, which leads to maybe a little trust in myself again. Um, and then you organize that. You try to coalesce in that. And I think it starts with the indiv- enough individuals doing that. And then you start to see, okay, there's enough of us soldiers that agree uh, on, on, what we, on what we agree on. The common denominator of values is what I think it is. Now, by hook or by crook, whatever's going on in politics, whatever, whoever you voted for, whatever church you went to, whatever, let's march forward with this common denominator of values. And that, and then, that's organized. Then we're responding. Um, it's look it every, the world's up in the air right now, redeclaring what the hell their purpose is. Politicians have to redefine and redeclare what the hell it is they're doing. We went through a whole year where we looked to had a brand new epidemic, had a brand new crisis by the name of COVID. And we all looked up to go, what do we do? And found out that our leaders were like going, what do we do? <laughs> you know? And so we were forced to go, well, geez, I guess it's me taking care of me. I better look right here at my own family. I got to make my own choice. So the private sector, all the way down to the individual, got more power, was put in a position to have more power this year than ever before. Now, how do we move forward? 
that's going to be the fun, how we build our way out of this. Um, you know, I, we, you know, 30% of Americans trust their neighbor. Wow. 30%. I trust my neighbors. I trust my neighbors too. I love my neighbors. We're all very close. How much is it because how much do you trust your neighbors? Cause you trust yourself. Uh, I guess that's a great question. I think, I think I trust myself. And so I trust my judgment. Yeah. 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 Do you find that maybe do or do you believe that if you give someone trust that it reaps a, a like response? Yeah. Back, yeah. To an yeah. I think it's tough. I think that we're conditioned to say that I, I make you earn my trust, but I feel like even though I might say that at times, I give my trust so much faster than I make anyone earn it. I, I do too. But yeah. I think what you said is spot on because most people I have been told, cause I got asked this a couple months ago, well, how do you go about trusting? I said, actually, I go into with everybody. I talk, I come in giving you a hundred percent of my trust until you prove me wrong. Mm -hmm. Now I'm no fool. Mm-hmm. If I come in and you're eyeing my wallet that I set on the table, I catch that. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. I'm going to leave my wallet out on the table. If you're a stranger, give you the chance to steal it. I'm not going to be a fool mm -hmm. let you pick my pocket. But I'm coming in with 100% mm -hmm. until you do something to make me go, oh, okay, okay, watch it. Watch mm -hmm. it, watch it. And I've been told many times, that's not how people, most people go. They go, you come in with zero trust and make everyone earn incrementally every bit of it. Well, man, that's a long Throw the hall. Yeah. And you'll it's never quite get there. That. You'll never quite get there because if you do that, there isn't enough time to truly build that trust unless you're living together for an extended period of time and you really have the time to see who someone is at every juncture. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's impossible unless you, with, with many people as you meet, places you go. How do you, how do you, that, that sounds like, Oh, sounds, yeah, that sounds, sounds horrible. <laughs> sounds horrible. Yeah. But, you know, and who do you b believe in? I don't think anyone's, I know people lie all the time, but I'm not going in thinking you're a liar. Mm -hmm. I'm going in wanting to, wanting, wanting to go, man, you're going to be, you're going to, you, you, I want, I know people don't have my best interest in mind, but I, I doggone know that, that, a lot of people have had my best interest in mind because I actually believe they did. Honestly, believe they did. And I had their best interest in mind. Yeah, I don't, the distrust, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lonely, unbalanced place to be, but we do have a lot of it now in, mm -hmm. in, in the, in the world, a lot of distrust and we've got to earn it back with each other. Our leaders have to earn it back with, with, with us. Um, and ultimately, we have to earn it back with ourselves. Well, and the common denominator, you know, when you talk about that, it's interesting because uh, I feel like the only common denominator that can exist probably is just love. And it's very hippy-dippy to think about, but we all want to be loved and we want to love. And if we came from those positions and realized that everyone's really capable, right? Everyone, Everyone is capable of of goodness. I don't think everybody's evil or whatever. Why can't we operate like get to like one operating level? <laughs> the, one, the one radio tower that we can all tune into and go, 
Like I said, I don't care what church you went to. Yeah. I don't care who you voted for. We're all agree on that frequency. Yeah. We're better together. That's my frequency. We're not better Murder. apart. We're not better alone. We're better together. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, you know, love is, 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 and you brought it up in the context of how the word can be handled, but, but love has teeth. You know, that's, it, I don't believe we live in a world that's going to be kumbaya. Um, everyone's, no, that evil that, 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 that people possess. We actually, I think some of us have to give more credit to how much evil mankind can possess. Ooh. Now, on the other side, um, how much love can they, we possess? Over time, rage has beaten out love when it comes to movements, politics, governments, and coups. The angry mob will beat the, has consumed the loving mob over in, in the histories of time. I mean, we like to believe, and it's, I just, I, I, I'm all for going for that, but I think we can, again, like we're talking about trust. You don't want to leave your wallet out and let someone get their eye on your wallet to get picked by, because, oh, I trust you. We don't be blind and foolish. We march forward with, you know, love, truth, truth right now. Truth is a rebellious idea. That's like, you, you, want, to, you want to be a rebel? Oh, it's actual. It's true. What? Wow. I mean, that's an odd idea now. That needs to get back to being a common denominator or something. We go, oh, I know where to hear the truth, and I know where to tune in to that frequency. No one knows where to tune in for that frequency right now. Nowhere. I'm a journalist. Yeah. I'm horrified. Everyone's inserting their opinions at every turn and their biases. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm, I'm looking around. I'm horrified. Where do you go? Where, where do you go? It's, 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 it's soft, like, you know, and when, and when reality is not enough, I understand fantasy. I understand thing, you know, virtually going places and games and movies and escapism. I get it. But when it gets to an extent where re- reality is not enough to get off to where the truth is actually not enough to get off to, that's not a healthy scale going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, or even a constructive scale, I don't, I, I don't believe. And we've, we're very much detached from reality being enough. Enough so that we don't even see and can't even tell, tell you what reality is. Well, when you look I at reality, it's so, it can be so depressing and so jarring and so awful to live in that when you can exit it, I remember when my husband first got um, our, uh, what do you call those? goggle thingies where you oculus yeah, yeah yeah those the oculus goggles i went in and i was like oh my god this is amazing why would i ever leave here <laughs> or when i was at disney and i went on the um avatar you know virtual ride yeah. i was weeping on it it was so beautiful i'm like why are we living out there that place is crazy this place is amazing so i get it i get it <laughs> I hear you. It's I hear crazy. You. So, okay. So we have so many things that I want to get to with you. One of the things that I didn't feel like a lot of people touched on, and, and I was doing the math and I need you to corroborate this, but you were like 10 years old building a 13 story treehouse. And you talked about stealing earlier. It was a lumber yard that you eyeballed and at the middle of the night would sneak over, take the lumber, build this thing behind your parents' back, your dad's back, behind their back. How did you know at 10, right? Was it 10? Yeah. 
How did you know at 10 how to build a treehouse? And why wasn't a treehouse with a little ladder to a one floor enough? 13 well, floors? One floor treehouse before. And then we had a house, a tree that we had like a three story. And this particular tree was so doggone tall. And I understood how you would get the plywood, you know, two by fours on first, working with the limbs, get the plywood on. And then I'd handsaw a little space out where the plywood met the trunk of the tree. And so my ladder going up was straight up the tree trunk, but it went through all 13 floors. So I would just build one, go to the <laughs> next one, cut that hole, build two, go to the next. And then the 13th was at the top of that tree. And I also had this little pulley um, on a long rope that I would, I love, I would do this over and over and over. I'd take my little brown bag lunch there in the morning, start working on it. And around whatever in the afternoon, I get hungry. I put the, I go to the, up to the 13th floor, sit there. And I could have easily carried my lunch, but I had this little pail tied to a rope and I was on a pulley and I'd pull my lunch all the way up to that 13th floor and just sit there. And before I did, I'd like drop it down again and just pull it back up again, just to go like, I, had, I remember loving pulling my lunch up on the pulley. Um, I'd always, like I was comfortable with wood and, and, and I was always a tree climber and was comfortable in the trees and, and uh, um, that tree was tall enough to allow 13 stories, thankfully. Does it still exist? I don't think so. I think it's all been, um, I think they built, the town grew. I think it became some community. I was back in back there last year, and that whole area, which used to be nothing but Piney Woods, was now apartments and stores and stuff. But I always do wonder, who was the first person that came across that treehouse and said, what the? <laughs> <laughs> You're such a good storyteller that everything was so visual that I felt like I was there at oh, good. every juncture. And when I saw that, I was like, I, I had to stop, go back, look at Wikipedia for your age, go back, do the math. And I'm like, wait, he was like 10 running on the middle of the night doing this. It's insane. Like, I couldn't imagine a 10 year old building a 13 story treehouse. I just, you know, I was pretty just blown away. Um, some of the other things cool. that I, what? It was cool. It was the biggest tree house I've ever seen. Tallest one too. Have you ever thought about building one for the kids? Yes. We have two trees picked out. Okay. Now they want to call tree house masters more than they want to call dad to do it, but <laughs> we might get a collaboration. I know that show's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have some trees in Connecticut that we keep eyeballing to do the same, but this summer I was there and there were so many storms that knocked the trees down that I'm like, what if I'm in one of them one day and it just gets knocked down? <laughs> so I got a little nervous about it. Um, a couple of the things that, you know, this show is called Better Together. And our day, our daily mission here is to give people tools to take home with them, to uh, apply to their lives and and get better every day. And so there were so many in this book, which is why I was so excited to talk to you. When I saw the book came out, I go, this is the stuff we talk about. This is exciting to me. So getting relative with the inevitable. I want you to explain that to everybody and how they can apply that in their daily lives. Okay. This is probably the original. To, this was actually an early title for the doggone book. Um, this is where the art, I think, of living comes in right here. When you're faced with, you know, it comes like based off the old Confucius quote, deal with, deal with what I can deal with and not 
deal with it, not worry about what I can't do anything about. When you're faced with an inevitable, get relative. What do I mean? We were talking about it earlier. Pandemic here. Man, it's here. Okay. It's here. I don't have the cure. You don't have the cure. Don't know when this is over. Now I can sit here and go, damn it, I have damn COVID. I can't believe this thing. My life's interrupted. I can't do this. I can't do that. But that didn't do a damn thing about solving COVID. So since that's inevitable that I can't, I actually can't do anything about getting rid of COVID. All right. So what can I relatively deal with here to make the best of the situation? All right, we got mom here. She'll be with the grandkids every day. There's an asset. Oh, all right, we're going we're to sit down to more dinners. Two dinners a night, we're actually going to say our prayers for dinner. That's good. I'm going to pet the dogs longer. Um, I'm going to actually have to get, my kids are getting bored because they can't do anything. But actually, you know what? That's a good thing. They're going to have to figure the way out of boredom. So I'm starting to add up assets. I'm not denying the crisis. I'm not being that uh, the delusional optimist saying, it's all great. No, mm-hmm. we're dealing with an inevitable problem that I cannot do anything about. So relatively, how am I going to deal? I'm going to try and find the upsides while still being responsible to deal with it, which in our choice this year was we're going to go quarantine. All right. Um, another inevitable. Our business. I've taught, I go, you know, I talk to people that do what I do and you're getting ready to go down that red carpet before the premiere. You're going on a show. I hate these things, man. They t- I hear them. I hate these things. I'm like, well, don't, don't do it. I mean, go, go home. Don't, don't do it. You got to do it. Don't do it. No, no. I mean, I'm going to do it, but I, I, I hate this. I'm like, well, do, what are you doing that to yourself for? If you just said it's inevitable that you're going to do it. Mm. You already said you're not giving yourself the choice not to do it. Why are you sitting over there breaking this sweat, hamming and hawing and cussing the thing instead of going, man, I'm here. Let's do it with pleasure since I got to do it. Kids homework. You got to do it. Okay. Do you, all right, buddy. Tell my kid, do you not want to do the homework? Don't do it. You make bad grades. You're going to get consequences. You're going to lose the freedom to do this. Is that really what you want? No, I mean, I got to do the homework. Well, then I don't like doing homework either, but since you got to do it, I mean, go do it. It's just, not, it's just a waste of energy mm-hmm. sometimes to him and haw and see the downside of things when we do not have a choice. So, you know, the art there is when do we deem something inevitable? Because if you deem a situation that you don't want to happen as, well, that's the inevitable outcome. Too soon, you're a quitter. I mean, you didn't persist enough to try and get what you wanted, mm-hmm. right? But if you are in a situation that you don't deem inevitable for too long and you keep trying the same thing and you keep not enjoying it, but you keep trying to get the same results, you're enacting the definition of insanity. You're trying to get a different result by doing the same thing over and over. So there's an art of when do you deem a situation inevitable? So you persist or you pivot and reapproach. Or you raise the white flag and go, no, I'm going to live to fight another day, something else. I'm tired of that. I'm not, I'm not battling that battle anymore. Um, so right there is sort of the, that's the, that's the, the hypothesis. That's the, when do you deem a situation inevitable? And as soon as you deem it inevitable of the outcome of inevitable, get on with it, get on with, uh, um, you know, I'd said uh, a couple of quite a few years ago when, when Trump got elected four years ago, I had said, okay, there's a lot of the people on the left that are in denial. Um, 
It's time to engage that he's our president. Now that got spun and said, oh, I'm endorsing and I was for President Trump, which didn't, that it was, it's not the point. But what I'm saying is like that part's inevitable. So now, the, so the longer mm-hmm. the left walks around in a stupor in denial going, it didn't happen. It didn't, you're losing ground to coordinate, stabilize, organize and respond to get your party together to win four years from now. And I saw people numb in denial two years into the, and I'm going, you, it's inevitable. Yeah. He, he got an office. I know it's, don't say that word unbelievable, but it happened. So get on with it and engage with how would you like that to change the outcome years from now, rather than not facing them, but they didn't get relative. Yep. <clears throat> so that's, that's, it. A, that's a, uh, if that's helpful, if that's a, it that's is a, helpful. Uh, the, sort of the the approach that, you know, and you can do it with the small things. You know, you can do it with the, with, the, with the small things daily as well. Yeah, I think I think those are just really great tools because you're right. The hemming and the hawing waste so much energy. It takes so much out of you. You're beating yourself up over what? Well, there's no outcome. There's yeah. no there's no compounding asset from it. It does nothing about the crisis. So, it's actually ridiculous in some ways because mm-hmm. it, it, there's nothing constructive about it yep and it's in the vein of get constructive even if it, you're faced with an outcome that's the one you didn't want you deem that outcome inevitable if you can't do anything about it well okay because we all done it and i've seen people they'll dwell mm-hmm. themselves him and Han dwell themselves right into absolute victimhood and then they're almost paralyzed in victim but you're like this is because you've receded into this oh i can't believe this happened for so long actually if you'd have got relative with it when it, right at sooner right after it happened you would have been able to deal with it constructively and it wouldn't have knocked you down so hard it wouldn't hurt so much it wouldn't cause you so much pain mm-hmm. yep less impressed more involved oh i love this one. i freaking love this oh my god this one hit me good this is it this one came to me right after my father died um, and it was a sobriety that comes sometimes when you lose a loved one like that. And I don't mean sobriety from booze, drugs. I mean sobriety of looking at life, becoming a woman, becoming a man, growing up. I had things in my life that I revered, mortal things on the earth, people, places, fame, money. Wow. I was in awe of. I had things in my life that I was condescending, that I was, that's not worthy of me. Look at those dummies that I looked down upon. When my father passed away, it came to me in a dream one night. Oh, these things that you revere, you have to be quick. You have to stop right now being so impressed with them and be more involved in them. These things that you're looking down upon, you have to quit condescending and patronizing them so much. And they rose up to the level to my eye level, just as the things that I was revering came down to eye level. And I remember the world seemed flat. I could see further and wider and clearer. And I had courage. My heart was higher. Shoulders were further back. My chin was higher. I was like, here we go. I realized with the passing of my dad, I did not have him to rely on if I fell. I did not have that crutch. So the values and things that he's been teaching me that I've been kind of doing about 75% because, hey, he's got my back, you know what I mean? He's, mm-hmm. you know, 
all of a sudden he's gone. Whoa, you better quit acting like one and be one. You better quit pretending like, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of be this person and start saying man up and let's go because it's you and you now. You don't have him to have your back. It's also something that I've noticed is, is I think it's constructive with relationships. And I write about it in that poem, Impressions and the Definition. We, if you are so impressed with, say, your spouse, if you hold them on such a pedestal, they can't live up to it. Mm-hmm. It's unfair. They can't be human. <clears throat> if they hold you, if, if I think Camilla's Wonder Woman and she thinks I'm Superman, hmm. neither one of us can live up to that. Although she's pretty Wonder Woman. She's pretty Wonder Woman, <laughs> yes. But I mean, there's a, you know, you can be so impressed mm-hmm. with someone or something that you can't really be involved yeah. in it. Yes. If I'm so impressed. There's to a talk distance. To you right now, Yes. I can't, if I'm so like, ah, oh, I can't leave. I get to talk to Maria. Maria, do you know how much I, I'm so rever- reverential? If I'm so reverential of you right now, I can't be involved in this conversation. Perfect example. I can't give you myself and allow you to give me of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so what I say is less impressed, more involved. The Instead of being reverential of mortal things, hold great respect for them. But when you hold great respect for something, you can look that thing in the eye. Instead of being in reverence, laying back, paralyzed by awe. That's what I mean by be less impressed, more involved. Get on with it. Be able to look the things in the eye. Be able to look your relationships in the eye. Have great respect for your significant other, someone that you admire. Ultimate respect for them. Mm -hmm. But if you revere them to the extent that you can't be involved and give yourself to them, then you're not only doing them a disservice, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yep. I mean, that's the perfect example. I think that's so incredible. And I think it's applicable in so many ways. Um, You know, like I watch some people on Instagram and they do a lot of like flashbacks in their careers. And then I realized when, when I read that, I was like, huh, if they were less impressed with the past, they would be more involved in their, their present and their future. Right. Right. And it doesn't mean that you can't do that. Sure. But it is something to like be aware of. I thought that was pretty it cool. It is something to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Even that, because I know I've done it, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes in low times, oh, it does humanly help to look back yeah. at something in my past. <clears throat> oh, to remind you of who you are. Okay. I've got my self-esteem back. I feel more significant. All right. I'm, I see I'm still tied to that lineage of then when I was succeeding or more happy or joyful. And it helps pick me up a little bit. And I mm-hmm. get that. But to rely on that can be a dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, when you were with the Dooleys in Australia and you made that handshake deal, <laughs> that you weren't going to come home after a small amount of time like the rest of the uh, American foreign exchange student program applicants had. Uh, you suffered, as we discussed earlier, and you held in and you you stayed in there. And one of the things that I wondered after reading all of this was, when does Matthew McConaughey give up? Like, when you make a deal, is it like a deal to the death? <laughs> well, I hope so. I, mean, I hope so. I, not everyone, as I said earlier, with in, when faced with the inevitable, get relative. There's a time sometimes to wave the white flag and go, <clears throat> no, 
nope, I, I thought I was, I thought I could get through this. I'm spending way too much energy trying to get this for, I'm not going to get the result. Wave the white flag, fight another day. But I do go into almost all situations. If they're going to, if, if I'm going to give them my time and my heart and my mind with an owner's mentality. I mean, I'm not going, I'm not a house flipper. I'm not like, I want to go to a place where I'm like, yeah, we may move in a couple of years, but we shouldn't move in this house unless we feel like this could be the home forever. I'm going to be friends with some, I've never, you know, dating someone before, long before Camilla. After I was 25, I didn't date anyone that I was going in thinking like, that didn't date anyone seriously, that I was thinking like, oh, this is just, this is just renting. We're just going to have an affair. If I dated someone serious, it was like, well, don't be doing this unless you think it's possible that it could be more. Well, other relationships didn't go that far, but they were, we, that, that we found that out because me and the other person were going, we're not here to rent. We're here to, we're here to see if we can really do this and got to a point where like, no, okay, that's far enough for us. Found the person that did say not, not renting. Want to spend the rest of my life with her and Camilla. So, but with deals, when I meet people, do a handshake deal. If I'm saying something and agreeing to do something, I'm, again, back to trust. I'm saying, I don't take that lightly. You don't take this agreement lightly, right? We should, we're agreeing on it. Let's make this freaking thing happen, man. Don't you give up on me. I'm not give up on you. I won't quit. If you don't, I'm not, and I'll take some pride in going, I'm not quitting first too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take some pride and go, I'll, I'll stick to it. So, you know, if we're on separate sides of the world, uh, I'll bet you I won't say uncle before you do. You know what I mean? So I do not all, not all of the, not all, not always does that happen. There are some times where I go, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm waving that white flag. I'm, I'm moving on. I, I, I give. Um, but I go into, in the same way I go into, as I said, with trust, giving someone hundred percent of trust. If I'm going to have an agreement, I'm in that agreement, hopefully letting that person know and letting myself know we mean this until we mean this. This is a pact until, even if we're away, we don't see each other for 20 years. I always say that like, it's, a, it's like the way to keep a secret is if you really keep it a great secret, if you tell me a secret and I tell you, I promise I'll keep it a secret. If I don't see you for 20 years and all of a sudden you and I find ourselves in a little 17 foot boat in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and you tell me that secret again, I'll go, I don't know what you're talking about. That's what I do. I purposely forget whatever someone tells me it's a secret. I make Almost. myself forget it. We, we, we already agreed on that. You know, I, mean, I, don't know, I said it was a secret. I'll forget, I'll forget it when I leave here. I told you that. I don't know what you're talking about. I love it. I know. I, I purposely make myself forget because I never want to be responsible. I'm, I pride myself on like being a good vault. Right. And so, yeah, that's really funny. I love that. Um, there are a couple things in here. I mean, if you see my book, it's all marked up and that's always the sign of a good book. There were so many passages that, I kind of want to entice everyone who's listening to not think that they're getting everything in this interview because there's so much in here. But some of the things that I loved was these little passages. God, when I cross the truth, give me the awareness to receive it, the consciousness to recognize it, the presence to personalize it, the patience to preserve it, and the courage to live it. 
I yeah. mean, there's so many drop the mic moments um, that I just loved. And it's like I said, it's it's so targeted for the people who listen and watch this um, because there's so many nuggets in here. I mean, it's not even nuggets. It's a full rich book of these things. When you're writing those, were those like that? Where was that written? That moment? That, I wrote that in 1996 in Peru. And I was off about day 18 while I was off alone. On, I was alone in day 18 of my 22 day hike to the Amazon by myself. Um, I believe it came to me. You know, I write about the first 12 days of usually these walkabouts myself are not comfortable times for me there. I'm with me and me and I am not enjoying the company. <laughs> um, I'm shaking demons off my back. I'm dealing with crisis of conscience and et cetera. And then trying to figure out what the hell to forgive myself for and what to say the buck stops here. I'm changing it. And it's a painful process, but it's been a very valuable process. Now, after that, usually 12 days, I'll have an, sort of an awakening where I'll be like, ah, oh, okay. I just realized what I always knew. The one person I'm stuck with is you. <laughs> so we better figure out how to get along. I'll forgive you for this. And then we're going to change this. Now I can be present and let's walk forward. And then I'm actually really in the trip that I'm on. And this one was in Peru in the rainforest. And there was a walk um, several mornings after I'd had that realization. And I was really now having a wonderful trip. And I had just written that poem about God. I, I want all that I can see and all that I can see is right in front of me. It was that only what I, I was not thinking too far around the bend. I mm -hmm. wasn't thinking about where I was, where I'd come from. I wasn't thinking about if I, if, and when I should go home, none of that. I was just really present. And I turned this corner on this muddy uh, jungle trail and the floor was lit up neon blue. I mean, not, did not look like a naturally made color. It looked like hydro neon some kind of neon blue supercharged nuclear it was glowing and i stopped because it didn't look in the middle of the jungle it looked very unnatural as a whole and it was right in the middle of the path and then as my eyes focused as i backed away from it i started to see separation and what it was was like tens of thousands of these butterflies all bunched together on the floor covering an area of about 20 feet by 20 feet and it was tens of thousands of them and I was just like whoa and so I just sat there and said it was quiet and listened and that's when I talked about the awareness which is you know put herself in a place to be aware the consciousness to receive the presence personalize the patience to then go this is going to take work to hold on to this truth because I know I'm going to go back mm -hmm. to the Western world mm -hmm. and I have responsibilities and I have, I have options of things and friends and communication. So it's going to take work to preserve this truth. And ultimately, can I have the courage to actually enact it for it to become a habit, to become part of my being? And I think it, it turned out to be a really nice prayer. I think for everyone is, is, is sort of a journey of how we go in our spiritual selves and what we learn when we learn things. And I think it does go from awareness, consciousness to presence, to patience and courage.
to actually live it. And if that's the kicker, that's the hard part is actually the hard parts. Those last two yeah. the patience to preserve and the courage to live it because as we were, you know, I think we were talking about earlier, you cross these truths. You're like, Oh, that's so true. That's obvious. I don't need to remember that. That's mm-hmm. just, it came across. <laughs> and thing is we go back home and all of a sudden the onion starts getting peeled. Right. And mm-hmm. you look up six months later and you're like, damn it, what happened to my frequency? <laughs> I yeah. was so on it and it's been stripped away mm-hmm. and it does get stripped away. You got to come back. It takes daily maintenance. Yeah. Life happens. Yeah. And it's interesting when I, um, after I had brain surgery, I remember wanting to hold on to all the new truths, all the epiphanies, all the realizations, all the things that I had then had time to feel and see because my ride was stopped. It was like right. a hard stop. <laughs> and yeah. you're, again, I'm not in the Amazon, but I'm in my bed alone, um, you know, for days and days and months just recovering. And I remember thinking to myself, how am I going to hold on to these and make these my new reality? And I worked really, really hard over these last few years to stay in the zone. And, you know, this has this show's been a big part of it where every single day I'm talking to people, having these conversations that keep me in this frequency that I want to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you keep everything that you have learned and wanted all those truths that you've wanted to hold on to? How have you worked on that? Keeping those? Well, I try to write them down when they cross me, when I cross them. And again, before phones that started, that would be a Sharpie on my hand or a beer coaster or, writing things down on my arm or my shirt or whatever, just so I could hold it and remember it or write it down and actually forget it and come back to it one day. Remember, um, you know, writing the book is a, I've made a social contract with myself and the world in a way, you know, and I say in the book, I don't, um, these are things I've, I've, I've learned and still learning. I'm not making straight A's in these things. I'm not trying to say, oh, I know what I'm talking about. This is what I do. Man, I'm working on it every day mm-hmm. and, and and making C's and D's and F's some days. You know? But again, that I, I still believe them to be completely true. Um, and what I'm trying to get to making better grades in, the, in, in these things in, in, in life. life's classroom. Um, I also, yeah, made the contract to write it down, made a contract with me to write it down. As I said, made a contract with you, someone reads it, you see me get on, let me know. You see me get on and go, hey, is that what you're doing right now? Is that part and parcel with this? Because this chapter you wrote really meant something to me and it doesn't, you wrote it and are you doing And catch, please call me out. Mm. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean you're condemning me, but hey, let me know. Because I'm trying and maybe this book can let you, can let you know, you know, something or remind somebody else. Oh, well, yeah, I actually, I want to be checked by this. And so keeping checks and balances on it, um, you know, I, I um, gratitude is a big part. Um, being thankful for the things that I that I have, things that I've earned, things that maybe I didn't earn, um, but that I have. Looking around, maintaining things that I built children trying to be the best father to my three children, trying to be the best husband to Camilla, trying to be as good of a friend as I can be to myself. Um, and, uh, um, uh, I check in 
with myself daily. I don't have daily rituals. I don't have daily meditations. I have my church on Sunday, which is a spiritual sit down where I do real inventory on my week, how I was in my week, who are the people in my life that I love in my week, week, and how do I see them in my mind as their truest selves, where I saw them. I go through my Rolodex of all my people, whoever comes to mind and try to see them in their most true selves in my own mind. And then hopefully I'm getting something from my pastor that is sending me out into the week, feeling like I'm armed and ready to go try and be a better man. Isn't that the best? And see if I can put them into practice, you know? And I was saying this the other day, I was like, boy, I love how they made the week. And like Sunday at church is on Sunday, seven days away, because I come out fully charged on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. I'm good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I start slipping Saturday. Slipping. About Sunday, I need church again. <laughs> you know, it was interesting. I was seeing on some comments in YouTube, different interviews, people were like, if he was the preacher, I would go to church every Sunday. Have you ever thought of that? Oh, well, I love to evangel. Um, as you know, and I, and I, and I, as I wrote the book, I don't preach much in the book, but I do love preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I have, it's, it's, a um, I would say my means of communicating, um, or sharing what truths I've crossed or seen or heard come across in a more evangelistic way. Cause I do get, I do get very excited and it turns into, it turns into, it's more, it's very poetic language which is the language I, I like to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's philosophical, but it's, but it's poetic and it's got, uh, it's got, you know, the spoken word. It was, it was difference in this, this book. The book's a written word. Now I'm a performer. I can tell you some of these stories like mm-hmm. early ones about my family, my mom and dad fighting. And on paper you could go, Oh my God, mm-hmm. if you just heard the facts. But they're love stories to me. And if I tell them to you, you're seeing my eyes light up and you're going, Wait a minute, the excitement he's showing and the love and the wetness in his eyes that's coming out while he's talking about his mom and dad fighting doesn't naturally match what he's telling about. But I see the humanity in it. Mm-hmm. So that's what's great about performing and, and, and saying a word or giving an intonation or showing some excitement or enthusiasm um, and feeding off of energy, which that was a big challenge in the book to put it in the word where I'm not there. The word has to try and put you in the place. I'm trying to make you feel the story and understand the story as I want, as I meant to tell it, as if I was telling it to you, this was another thing. I would record these stories and write down what I, my best version of the story on the paper. That was not the best version of the story told on paper. No way. It, thir- it way too long. Every story, which I thought would be, was the best I could tell it verbally. If I put those words on paper, it was always 30% too long. So I had to go back and find the right word, the right sentence the right ellipsis, the right place to put the punchline, the right place to leave the innuendo, the right. So to hopefully give you the feeling that, oh, this is a love story he's telling. Mm -hmm. It's not a horror story. You know, (laughs) oh, I can laugh at him in this Australian story. Although if I'm looking on paper, what's going on, there's nothing to laugh about. (laughs) It was a horror story. It was awful. You were in the middle of nowhere. You had no way out. (laughs) And then they weren't going to let you leave. I was like, let him go. Um, you know, that's what, that's why anybody who's listening, um, you should get the audiobook for sure, because it is so fun to hear your voice for me as I'm prepping for this, I need a book to mark and write. So I, I actually say get both because for anyone who's watching and listening to this, they're on the same journey. I am, they want to grow, they want to get better. They want to learn. So you're going to want to mark everything in here, but then you're also going to want the enjoyment of just the stories, of Matthew telling you these 
hilarious, wild stories at the same time. So I got the best of both. And I wonder if you are in the process of unbranding again to rebrand. Oh, I love how that was the period at the end of that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Thank you. As in presently am I. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Was it conscious or unconscious? A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. The, you know, for instance, remember I said earlier for 15 years, I challenged myself to go write the book, but never had the courage. So unconsciously, 13 years later, the unconscious of 13 years actually led up to the consciousness of going, write the damn book. Um, I'll, I still see myself um, telling stories. Um, probably in front of a, in front of a camera in some capacity, maybe behind the camera, but the real place that I'm leaning into now is, all right, what character are you going to play in the big show? The one we're all going through mm-hmm. called life. What is that a position of leadership? Where are you going to go to have the right kind of most, the most useful impact that I can have to, if in whatever capacity I have something to share that's necessary, useful, constructive, and help with us moving forward in a good way. Um, I've been approached on, um, in, in, you know, politics for me, for me right now, that category, I don't know if that's the right category for me. I don't, I don't know if that's where I can be most useful. Um, that's a broken business. I guess we were talking about earlier, politicians have to redefine and what their purpose is right now. I don't, I'm not really interested in getting a position to go put a bunch of band-aids on some things that are going to be ripped off as soon as I'm out of office. I'm not, a, I'm not really excited about going and having affiliations that actually handcuff me from actually doing something. I do believe that we can build better people. I do believe in being able to have the individual challenge themselves. I do believe that there could almost be, to speak about evangelism, a ministry where we're each the actual minister of our own particular culture, but we have an agreed frequency that we're going, this is where we're going, mm-hmm. but it's on me, it's on you, it's on each one of us looking in the mirror, and that is how we can make collective change. If enough of us look in the mirror and say, I'm going to do a little bit better today, you need to get that army together, I want to go there. You know, that's the world I want to live Maybe in. that is the means to the other side. To me, that whole minister of culture thing is your, you, you've always kind of done things your way anyway, right? So it's like you do it this way, you get the the true power that you need because you're right. Like I, I've always been fascinated by being in a leadership position like that where you can actually make change, but you are handcuffed and it is Band-Aids and you're not someone who Band-Aids. <clears throat> in fact, that was one of my questions too. This, this whole notion of Band-Aids, you're not a Band-Aider. So it's so unappealing because you don't, you, you need your freedom to do 
And right. there isn't that there. But if you do it in this capacity and then go over to, you know, bring that energy over to here, that might be where it goes. Because I feel like you I will think, be in politics at some point, but you need a different entry point. I, I think at least I, I think at least <clears throat> that, um, you know, until politics has redefined its purpose, that seems like I said, a, a broken game, mm -hmm. which is like, wow, honorable position, <clears throat> honorable position to be in. But. Is that where I can be most useful? Mm -hmm. uh, I think I may be more useful as more of a free agent. Uh, what you know? Um, again, I my hunch is that our way forward is is finding that common denominator of values, mm -hmm. re re making social contracts again with each other. We talked a lot about distrust and in each other and ourselves earlier. Um, I think in, in in the stuff that I'm the stuff that I'm preaching is it's not rocket science. It's not it's stuff our mamas taught us. We just gotta go back and go. Hang on mm -hmm. a second. I got to have a little, I understand that, you know, to respect you, I have to respect myself. I understand that to trust you, I have to trust myself and vice versa. To, try, to have trust myself, I got to be able to trust you that, yeah, we are individuals and we are self-determining individuals, but collectively, we're all in this same rodeo together. Mm -hmm. So... Don't have the fear of thinking, oh, if I just take care of me at the expense of you, then I'll have mine. No, you actually won't have yours. You, and, and, and is having all the most toys that you don't even have time to play with winning? Really? I think we need to redefine what success is. I think we need to understand that real freedom comes through responsibility. Whereas a lot of us think that, no, you can either be freedom is opposite responsibility. No, it's not. They're like, they're like this. And we each have responsibilities to ourselves and each other. And that will lead us towards real freedom. And as you said earlier, you brought up, you know, is love that common denominator in many ways. Yeah. But it's also, let's redefine what that means. That's not a passive. Love is not a passive thing. Love has teeth. Love has fangs. Yeah. Anybody who's a parent knows where their kids Loving them the right way does not mean you're saying yes to everything. Loving them the right way mm -hmm. is doing the hard thing and saying no at the right times for the right reasons. And that's a hell of a lot harder mm -hmm. as a parent. Um, that's what my dad always work. used to say. He used to say, love Maria, it's so much harder for us to say no. And I was like, <laughs> oh, so oh, my God. <laughs> but you always <laughs> say no. And then I realized, oh, all well, the other kids' parents are saying yes because it's easy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's another thing we got to realize: it's not easy. None of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's and it's not supposed to be. Hell, we'd be bored if it was all too easy. Mm -hmm. But again, if that's what life is, and I think it is, and that's inevitable. Let's get relative. <laughs> I thought life was TikTok, Matthew. I just want to be a TikTok star. Large part of Just want to be a TikTok star. Okay. Um, you know, I, I would love to get your take on Hollywood right now, where you see it now. Yeah. Um, and where do you think it's kind of going? And especially with regards to movie stars, because obviously you're a movie star and that's been your business. Um, so let me know what you're thinking. Curious. Well, so exhibition has been upended. Distribution's now been upended. Warner Brothers just does do got a, a HBO Max so on the small screen as well. Will the full theater communal experience be the top? One of the things that has always been at the top of the list of American pastime. Will that be that in the future? I don't know. 
how much coming out of this year have we learned in some places in business that remotely we could do more than survive some places even thrived remotely um how much do we go we're always going to need content i think we're going to need we're always going to need content we're going to be want to be entertained enlightened and educated and now more than ever we're seeing people export content i mean i've practiced it a few times like shoot a dog on commercial or something like sun shooting it in the backyard export it you know and um we're talking remotely here um i because i've said i'm not i'm not leaving how much will that go back to how much are we living in the future right now and if this if it is then the theater experience is never going to be the same it may even be done does uh how soon if ever are people going to be comfortable going yep friday night we're going out and we're gathering with you know 300 people in 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 one room with recirculated air and going to have a communal experience. I don't know. Um, again, the upside is they're always people are going to need content for entertainment. Mm-hmm. They're going to need it and want it. Um, there's more avenues to put it out now than 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 ever. Um, but you know, I you know I, I don't know. This should, you know I've been sort of. It wasn't a quiet year for me as an entertainer, as, as an actor. I was actually doing something different. Maybe I was less of an entertainer and more of a, an endorsement of PSAs or mask. Or I, put a, I was a writer. I put a book out. But I was still Matthew McConaughey, known as a, a, an actor and a, a celebrity that was active in, through the year, through the media, at least. Um, a lot of my friends are still, they're making movies right now. Um, again, I guess the question is, where will those movies be seen? Where will they be digested by the public? Does that matter to you as an actor? Not as much to me as it does to a lot of my peers. It's very important to a lot of my peers. It's extremely important to a lot of my peers. Me, not as much. I hope it doesn't go away. I do hope the theater experience is still out there and that you can still go. There'll still be a separation of here. You go make a movie. You mentioned it in my, in my opening, Woody and I go make true detective on TV. And it was one of the series that sort of broke the sort of taboo thing about going to TV. Now you go, man, TV's kind of arguably got the mm-hmm. best drama. That's where you go for it. Mm-hmm. And we were in a series that helped break that sort of stigma. Um, but you know, for me, I've always been, and I'll take it back to, let me take it right back to that time of choice of doing True Detective. I remember that question coming up going, what are you doing? Movie star. What are you doing to go to TV? And I remember talking to my agent. I just got the chills. <laughs> I said, uh, I go, I'm hearing from people that I admire their opinion. I've got a few people asking me about, hey, well, whoa, 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 why would you go do TV? I go, I don't have any concern about what size screen it is. I'm chasing a great character and a great story. Do you have any concern? He was like, no. And I was like, so that's how long that conversation took. It took eight seconds. Wow. To, but it considered for eight seconds. Well, I'm chasing story. I'm chasing character. I'm chasing experience. But see, that goes uh, back to knowing what you don't want and knowing right. what you want. And that's why you get yeah. what you get. That's why you get the results you get is because you know you know. And so then there's no fear 
attached that then attracts that awful result. Right. right. In my opinion. Well, that's, yeah, that might be part of it. Plus, you know, that clarity means that I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Means that I'm not looking over the rearview mirror, going, "Did I? Is this is this the right idea?" Mm-hmm. It actually means that I'm going. That's out of my hands. I don't care. Let's just go hammer this out until they tell me to quit, mm-hmm. and see what happens. You know, that was a again. Result orientation can be dangerous in some ways. I'm all for, and we've talked about it already about setting goals, writing a headline, and living a story towards it, but also. I'm for, well, let me deal with what I can deal with, which is I love this character. I love this story. I love the pedigree. This sounds great. What screens it on? Uh, I don't, that's not really at the top of my list for what I want to do. Let someone else handle that. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay in the process of this thing and don't worry about, oh, maybe did I make the right idea? Did I, I'm that. And then also, you know, I bring this up in the book. A lot of times it's not about which decision we make. It's about making one and just committing to it and saying, by hook or by crook, I'll, at least now I'm going to find out. That's it. Sink How many slim. times we sit there and measure A or B, Hem A or haw. B, A or B, and look up five years later, and we're still sitting there going A or B, A or B. Exactly. And we've been passed up because we never just leapt off one way and said, could be wrong. Let's find out. Yeah. We had a really great um, kind of spiritual teacher on here. He's like, good thing, bad thing. Who knows? <laughs> and it's been like a guiding principle for me in, in recent months. But, you know, I remember when I, um, I really loved, and this is a whole other section I want to get into with you, WWE. I was a WWF fan growing up with my dad. Then, of course, it became WWE, psycho wrestling fan. And I saw that they were having Monday Night Raw guest hosts. And I remember telling my publicist, I want to do that. And he's like, okay, I'll reach out to them. He didn't reach out to them. All of a sudden, he calls me one day. He's like, guess what? They called and they want you to be a guest host. I said, great. Tell them on one condition, I want to wrestle. And And they were like, what? And I said, tell them I need a coach. Like, we're going to do this. And so nobody really took me quite seriously. So I found a coach in the Valley. I started training. And I showed up at their, you know, arena one day and I was like, okay, I know how to wrestle. Okay, let's put this thing together. And so we put a match together, this like small like thing. And then it was the coolest moment of my life, the most adrenaline I'd ever gotten. And I created a storyline that I continued on social media and I knew how to egg on the wrestlers and how to do all the thing because I was a fan. And my friend looked at me and she goes, okay. And she's like in the industry, she's, you know, someone whose opinion I would respect. And she goes, you, wait, you're going to do this again? And I'm like, fuck yeah. And she goes, wait, no, no, no. People are going to think you're like a wrestler now. You can't do that. Like, that's not a good image for you. Now, at the time, I'm, you know, a correspondent on Access Hollywood. I'm a correspondent on the Today Show, on Nightly News with Brian Williams. And I was like, but I love it. This is awesome. I, I want that feeling and I want to do everything I can in life. Of course, I'm going to do it. Long story short, I'm 4-0 in the WWE. Yes, um, I, I know all this. about the Boston Crab. So when I was reading that in the book <laughs> and your wrestling match with Michelle, is that how you say his name? Or yes, Michelle? Michelle? Okay, yes. in Africa. And you pull out the Boston Crab. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> and and there were a few other wrestling references in here. And then I'm online and I'm seeing you at WWE matches virtually with your family. And I was like, okay. He's a wrestling yes. fan. 
Yes, I did not know this about you. That's outstanding. It's so much fun. It's so uh-huh. carny. Wait, so carny. I wrestled at WrestleMania 28 at Miami Dolphin Stadium with busted ribs, shattered feet from Dancing with the Stars, and um, uh, Mark Wahlberg is sitting front row, and he looks at me, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing doing? here? And I was like, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) So my signature move is the sunset flip. Yours is obviously the Boston Crab, but as... As we're seeing this business kind of morphing, you know, my very dear friend Vin Diesel is now singing and he's got hit songs. And I heard you want to do stand up now, or I think I read that in the book. Um, And then, you know, you've got all these new paths. I was like, hey, maybe he's going to wrestle. You never know. Let's make you a wrestler. Great period at the end of the question. (laughs) What do you know? Go. Um, I'll say. Not too much, because as you know, um, can't say too much about these things. Ooh. Um, but it is uh, um, it is something that interests me. I'm good at what I do, am I not? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh... Yeah, he wants to pull out a Boston Crab so bad I can feel it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, you you dazzle on screen, you are all these amazing things, but you are such like the adventurer, you love experiences, clearly after reading Green Lights, there will be nothing better in life than getting in that ring and executing a Boston crap. Or, I mean, I'm friends with everybody, Mr. Bob Backlund, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Where'd I know that name? Mr. Bob Backlund was the champion of all champions. He was, you know, with Bruno and all of... Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, 70s. um, um, Why am I blanking on my favorite move that he makes? Uh, The the, the chicken wing. The chicken wing? The cross-face chicken wing. Look that up. Might be the best move of all time. Okay. You can't get out of it. See, I was down there with... You know, I've been... been, I got kicked out of Hirsch Coliseum in Shreveport, Alabama for... Pelting Skandar Akbar with tomatoes. What? I got kicked out. I snuck back in through the bathroom window, and then I got kicked out second time the same night for spitting a loogie on King Kong Bundy. What? (laughs) Honey, are you listening to this? Yes, poor Skandar Akbar is such an underrated (laughs) manager. And let's not even talk about King Kong Bundy. Please. Monster of all monsters. Monster of all monsters. Monster. You spit on he him? Me in the eye and got seriously pissed off and scared the heck out of me after I did it. And I took off running and they caught me and kicked me out for the second time that night. Because I, I had a, I brought a paper bag full of old mush tomatoes and Skandar Akbar. I remember he comes out and I just pelted him. And they found that, and that was all great until it, they started really connecting. And then the security found me and they kicked me out and I climbed back to this little bathroom window, Hearst Coliseum. And got back in. Spit on King Kong Bundy. Wait, do people? I feel like I read the tomato thing in Akbar. Do people know about the King Kong Bundy? I don't know if I've told that. <sighs> I, told, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I love wrestling, and I got to do. Um, uh, uh, I, I reenacted the hard time speech. 
uh, I don't know why I'm blanking right now because I'm getting so excited about wrestling. Honey, um, help me. With who? Oh, Dusty Rhodes. There we go. Yeah, um, not long. Okay, so I, I did it with him. They heard me kind of riffing, almost like, you know, I know uh, when you were doing Wolf of Wall Street, that like famous scene, like Leo yeah. saw you kind of doing do, something before. Matthew, the... do you know the famous promo, Hard Times, done by Dusty Rhodes? Hard Times, when a man works a job for 30 years, 30 years, they give him a watch, they kick him in the butt, and they say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's Hard Times. Wait, when was it? How long ago was that? This was done, it was done probably in the mid-80s, and it's it's more, it's more the most famous promo of, like, Pat, you know, before, like, the Attitude Era. It's the most famous yeah. wrestling promo. It's often imitated by many of today's wrestlers, and somebody did a Morgan Freeman version of it. <laughs> and if you ever, just something fun on YouTube to look up to see the Morgan Freeman version, but the stuff that Dusty just said off the top of his head, um, yeah. it's pretty incredible. And again, there's such respect for those guys to just improv that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there is a again, Carney and you get the ones that can actually hold the eyeline to America. Mm-hmm. What's going on and mean it. And you're like, they're, they're, they're in the rock was telling me his story about it. He had storyline from good guy to bad guy and how he felt it click in one night while he was there live. Oh, I just hooked him. Um, and I love the suspension of disbelief that because my kids and I watch it and then they're starting to get that when they go, oh, this is fake. I'm going, what are you talking about? No way. <laughs> and they're starting to get because I won't give them the wink yet, but they're starting to get that in there. There's a there's a bit of one, you know, Yeah. and they're like, then so two of them, two of them are like, this isn't fake. Ma, this is real. And so they're getting And that's so much of the fun of it is uh-huh. going, this, this, this is real. It's amazing. And it is. Oh, so Dusty, Dusty, uh, I, I got to do. He's like, I heard you do it. And I was like, yeah, you would kill a Dusty. That would be so good. And then I did Captain Lou. <laughs> it's they're friggin amazing. It's my, my favorite. It's my other family, like the, the WWE. I love being in there. I love working with them. I love doing anything that they'll do. Let me do in there. You go to um, Tampa. Uh, I haven't gone to Tampa yet. No. Where do you go work out with them? Oh no, I worked out here and then um I kept working out his the the teacher actually just passed. His name was Rick Drazen. So I trained with him in the valley and then I would go do the match and then I was so like, you know, hungry to keep going. So then I would egg the mono on social media and then we create another match. So I did four in total. And then I have brain surgery and now they won't let me wrestle anymore. But I'm still in the family. I still do my my things here and there. Awesome. I was see my guy was hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh my god! <laughs> Hacksaw is the greatest. I saw him backstage a few years ago, Madison Square Garden, and I see him and, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And by the way, the only people I get starstruck is wrestlers. Like I get so starstruck with them. And I'm like, Hacksaw Jim Duggan? And he goes, young lady, does someone pay you to say that? And I go, no, 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 you were my favorite. The blue, the blue, and the two by four. Oh my God. And he literally started tearing. He is the sweetest ah, guy. Beautiful. So like, I don't know. Have you gone to a WrestleMania? Not live. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I did. We went to one in Austin. Took the kids in Austin about um, eight months ago. Yeah. I mean, now it's like different. People though, too. The nicest humans ever. Carte Blanche family related get there and mm-hmm. treat you just awesome they were so much fun mm-hmm. hopefully this year it will be the same as it was in the past where you have 
Hall of Fame, because then you get to see the hacksaws and the the whole, you know, the lineage, all of them. So Ric Flair, every time I see Ric Flair, I'm like, you put hot ties on this country, Rick. And then he goes into his thing and we cut promos <laughs> together. It's so much fun. So seeing you um, in those little things, I was like, oh, this is just, this would be so great. I can't let you go without um, without one more thing. And it's a compliment to your wife, Camilla. First of all- as well i love her every interaction i've ever had with her she is the sweetest most wonderful person but i felt like i got to know her so much better in this book because she's a gangster i mean you really found your perfect match when she tells you go go write this and don't half-ass it when she says okay i'm in we're 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 gonna unbrand to rebrand and it's gonna be tough I mean, I, I, I was getting the chills through the book because it is so hard to find someone who's going to like soldier through with you in this world. And um, I, I give her so much credit because, you know, it can't be easy to have to deal with three kids on your own and, you know, doing all that and not having your partner. And so um, I just I thought she was such a gangster. I think she's so amazing. Yeah, um, she she is, and she's I you know it's an a, an ability to if if I need something or if the kids need something, this family needs something. Her ability to whatever she's doing, drop it and handle that. I I, I don't know how she I don't know how she does it because she has things going on in her own life, mm-hmm. independent of me and the kids. You know she's she's building her own life. Boy, she will drop those things that I had to take care of the family, but it's an instinctual thing. So I didn't even think about it. And there's no questions asked. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so consistent. Yeah. It's quite amazing. Yeah. She's uh she's an amazing one. Um, what are you reading right now? And what are you watching before? We, we um, what am I reading? Do you guys couple um, view? What's that? Are you couple viewers? We've been full family viewers. Okay. Here's what, here's what we're watching. So our hour before we go to bed, before the kids send the kids to bed, we've been doing, and I've never done it until it started six months ago, and now we do it most every night, Survivor. Of course. <laughs> So good. <laughs> wait, good. So wait. Good. I don't know why I just thought of this, but you know, do you watch Naked and Afraid? Oh, you're damn right. Isn't it Naked the greatest Naked. show? Love it. Oh my god, I'm addicted. Uh, that's another one that I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, oh. they. I'll never forget when I first started working at E a few years ago. I got a call to do the show. I'm like, are you people high? I can't even get naked in my own house. Like, <laughs> no. But you would kill that. <laughs> I mean, but they, the, the, because it's, a, it's an endurance t- test. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, Sur- Survivor, there's more game plan, but, but negative afraid's like, hi, hi. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. We a got million bugs today. biting you. Could you handle that? Oh, well, I mean, they, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd have to see. I mean, because they, <laughs> they, 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 that doesn't happen to the, survivor survivor the survivor's teeth come out looking a little wider at the end of 
30 days or however many days and they began with i think they're hiding toothbrushes over there but naked and afraid you don't get any off no you get you get nothing um but i love the concept um yes i watched naked and afraid but we are watching survivor now um reading wise i just picked up um this book uh garincha um it's brazilian footballer got i'm checking out um arguably one of the greatest footballers that no one really knows as much about um but i'm actually i'm not a big i'm not a big reader Mm -hmm. i never have been a big reader i'm a very slow reader you know i mean my favorite book would be emerson's essays and my favorite essay in there is one on self-reliance and it take it took me like four months to read and it's like 20 pages not because i'm like dyslexic but because i'll like reading something and i'll read two lines if they're really good if it's really good philosophy i'm like better put that down <laughs> take those two lines out there and see how they <laughs> apply the before i get too many good ideas you know and so i uh i read slowly and if i'm reading longer books i'll read a chapter and then have to set that down then take it with me in life for a couple of weeks before i can go back and pick it up again I'm so glad I asked that because I would have assumed that you're a reader, um, especially because they say to be able to write and to expand your vocabulary, you have to read. And your vocabulary is obviously incredible. And and I found myself when I'm reading this having to go to Google and be like, Google that word, Google that word. And it was words that it's not that I didn't understand, didn't know that what the word kind of meant, but I wanted to really understand it in a deeper way. And so I'd have to go in and I, and I love when that happens because you're learning and that's a cool thing. You're growing through an experience, but I would think that you were a reader. Not really, but, but I love, I love words. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm more of a prescriptionist by nature, meaning like what's the original root of the word. Like, I think I may bring it up in the book, um, you know, religion, People go all the time, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. No, I don't like religion. But as you know, religion comes from the Latin root re and legare. Legare means to bind together. Re means again. Unity. So most spiritual people, I'm going, actually think what you're saying is you're religious if you're talking about unity. Now, Mm -hmm. has man hijack the word and 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 bastardize it in many ways by corporatizing religion many and excluding so many yes but i'm like but don't give up on the root of the word don't throw it to the trash just because we've screwed it up mm-hmm. um you know uh, um hum, 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 humility we all say we want more humility right we think that's a good thing, right? But do you know any of us that want to be humiliated? You know, the, 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 the best definition of the word humble and humility that I've heard is knowing that you have more to learn. That, whatever that definition was, gave me the courage to not have that false modesty that I used to think being humble meant. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Which is sort of arrogant in its inverse way. 
you know, and, and I didn't know, I, I never was never used to be sure with how to walk forward confidently in what I did know if I was supposed to be humble until I heard that definition. It's like, oh, no, it's knowing you have more to know. And that, when I heard that, I was like, oh, well, I can stand up straight with that because yes, I got a lot more to learn, but I can at least stand tall and, and move forward. So I, I love going in and having a prescriptionist on words and find out what they're really about, what their Latin root is, seeing how they've changed the meaning of them, how mm-hmm. they've changed over time. So does that mean we should throw them out? Or does that mean we should go back and try and say, no, let's hang on to the original meaning of them um, and resurrect that? You know? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think we all create so many things and we don't even realize we've done it. <laughs> and it just completely right. shifts from what it, the truth. Yeah. It shifts from the truth. Yeah. Words, I, lo- I love words. And, I, and, I, and you know what? I, lo- I love making up words, too. <laughs> you make up words? Oh, yeah. Like what? Well, like I said, I like bumper stickers so much. Yeah. I put bumper to sticker and made it one word or actually two words. Um, uh, what's the latest words I made? I'll, I'll, I don't know. What is, what is that made up? Um, not as much making up words, but like coming up with a, 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 a word on its own. To go, let me see. I'm sure I've written some down in the last doggone two, three days. A one-liner, all right? Um, um, have you ever heard this? I heard a new one yesterday. Range anxiety. Whoa, range anxiety? Like, yeah. like on a firing range? In this, no, in this particular case, there was a person who, um, a friend of mine was driving a Tesla. And it said he. <laughs> we have one. I I get it. <laughs> you ever get range anxiety? Yes. Where the amount of miles it tells you have to go don't seem to be matching up with how many it's given you. You start yeah. getting a little range anxiety. Uh huh. Uh huh. We were pulling up our street and we were praying we were going to make it into the driveway. You had range anxiety. I didn't even know. Now I know. Yes. And did you ever know this one? I heard this term the other day. Um, it, we were at a place and it had like the amenities area where you can go gather. And, and I was like, but no staff's here. And the guy goes, yeah, it's a passive amenity. I went a passive amenity. He goes, yeah, that's an amenity that has everything for you, but it's not staffed. You can call the club. They can come down or you can bring your own food down there and cook your own food and set up your own bar. But it's not an active amenity. It's a passive amenity. I was like, Passive immunity. <laughs> you know, one of the things I, first of all, I just loved in the book, all the vulnerability, vulnerability you shared, you know, the, the things that like, sometimes we would be scared to tell somebody, but you did anyway. Um, but your mom talking about how, if you like it, it's yours. <laughs> so how do you reconcile that in the world of plagiarism and in the world of like Hollywood where you're like, well, I like it. This is mine. That's what my mom taught me. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, you know, it goes always kind of sort of between the question of, um, and I mean this joke in me, but is there anything, is there anything, is there such thing as plagiarism? We're all retelling different stories mm-hmm. and, you know, um, shoot stuff I write about in the book. I was inspired by the things I just made them my own, reworded them and, and, and shared things. I don't bring up um, uh, completely original thought throughout the thing. So, you know, um, I, that my, my mom <laughs> is someone <laughs> who 
you know, talk about the queen of relativity. You know, like I said, when I when I when I when I found out I was runner up, little Mister Texas. Yep, I thought that was so funny. Little Mister Texas for over thirty years. Her immediate <laughs> response, without any precipitation, that I was going to ask that question or go, "I'm runner up." She was like, she knew I was runner up, but before she could even go, "Oh, how'd you find out?" She was already saying, "No, but the guy, the kid who won, his family was rich." And they bought him a super rich suit because they had too much money. So we call that cheating. You're Little Miss Texas. I mean, she immediately just flipped it right there in the moment. Um, so she's the queen of relativity on that. No blinking. Um, none. And we're asking permission. Um, no, I, I I understand plagiarism because I also have a lot of people plagiarize. I get plagiarized uh, a lot. And there's a lot of people that I've, I've had to be more protective of my own IP and things because I go around, I see people making all kinds of money off a certain thing, whether it's all right, all right, all right. I'll put it on and I'll go, well, there's four brands that are making that on there. Do they have the rights to put that on? They'll find out actually they don't or something I'll say and it'll, it'll show up. And usually, usually in my case, it's like merchandise. But so I'm always like some things I'm like, ah, well, I put that out there. That's public domain. And other things I'm like, no, no, no. I want, the, I want, I want, I want the trademark on this one mm-hmm. because I don't want that being used in the, in, in the wrong way. I think you have to make a Christmas movie, Matthew. A Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. Which one? I don't know. I think you have so much wisdom packed inside of you that w- my favorite Christmas movies are, um, are, are those that have those kind of beautiful stories and beautiful moments, whether it's A Wonderful Life or mm-hmm. even the old, old animated movies. I don't know. I think that there's something in there where you can, you can share a lot of these lessons and, and, and kind of imprinted in us at a time where we're open right right to receive would be around christmas time yeah 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 well i am interested in you know the right kind of cool fun inspiring family pictures and you're right christmas is a time when people are are open Mm -hmm. and ready for renewal and gratitude and generosity and um you know, I also like the other idea of telling a what would seemingly be a sort of thriller, like an, an adult thriller, but the, insin- the, 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 the insinuations are all that it's like it feels R-rated, but the outcome of the actual hero, who you may think is not the hero throughout the thing, what they win with is actually a very valuable life lesson. Mm-hmm. Like Scrooge. Some people call an, an old school Um lesson uh that wins out um and again i don't know if it's it's, it's i don't know if it's is, is it movies is it tv what kind of content is it is it you know you said earlier and i am it's it's a um the stand-up deal that's what i was thought this tour was going to be my plan was to be touring this book going around city to city telling a lot of these stories or having a raffle where you get to we'll spin the wheel or let the traffic light go and where it lands green. I'll mm-hmm. tell that story or pick, you know, buy in. You get to say from the crowd, tell me this story. You know what I mean? That's so um, cool. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but I've been able to do a version of it like this and be a lot more places anyway. Well, that was interesting when I heard you wanted to do stand up. I'm like, this is the time where all the comedians are retreating because they can't be expressive. They can't have freedom to joke. I'm like, why would you run into that fire? Well, one good reason is it's time to sort of find the waterline. 
of where, 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 where you know, the comedians, Dave Chappelle's, um, you know, you, even some Chris Rock are like some of the greatest truth tellers we have mm-hmm. out there. And the fact that we're allowed to laugh and allow ourselves to laugh in almost because we're going to see a comedian that kind of gives me a license to go, here's my comedian card. I'm now an audience member at this comedy show. So I now have license to laugh. It's actually can be, it's quite healing. And I don't think we give sense of humor enough credit for how much it can heal us. Cause it, 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 it unties the knot of contradiction in a lot of ways. It, it allow again, doesn't deny the crisis, doesn't deny there may be a wrong, but it exposes it and you laugh and all of a sudden you're looking next to the person who the joke's on one of you between your relationship, whether your race, your sex or whatever, and you're laughing and you're mm-hmm. going, <laughs> yeah, okay. And it's a release. And it's actually a very, I think, it, I think humor can help mend uh, people much more than we give it credit for. Totally. Our, our line in our house is comedy must rule. And that's how we live every day. Right? My mom is dealing with stage four brain cancer. She just survived COVID. <clears throat> the jokes I'm cracking in there are so crass and so on the highest level of horrifying for a daughter and a mother, but she's laughing. And that's all that matters to me. Yeah. So yeah, I hear you. And I, and I agree with you. And I think, again, people's reaction could be like, oh, you can't do it. No, it's actually sense of humor. My, I, I don't go so far. I like that. Uh, I don't go so far as to say humor's at the forefront, but I always do say, hey, if you're not sure how to react, if more of us made sense of humor the default emotion, more of us would get along a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, it doesn't deny the crisis. I think that's what some people are scared of, that they think it's condescending or denying the crisis. Because if it does that, if it, if it says, oh, I'm making, I'm saying the crisis isn't worthy, that's not necessarily the use of good humor. But when it can untie that knot to then engage in it and go, mm-hmm. now let's have a look at it. That's when it's very useful. I love it. Matthew, thank you so much. I know we took up a lot of your time today. Um, I uh, I love the book, and Thank I can't you. wait for more. Thank I am you. anticipating more in a lot of arenas. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, I think he really is uh, going to contemplate the Christmas movie idea, but by the way. I think he will, too. Oh, I don't 100%. think he had thought about that before. Yeah, no. I could tell the way he reacted. No, and he's very faith-based, so he was like, hmm. And he was, yeah, he, you could tell you got him going with It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, because he has so much to share. He's the one I would want one from. Yeah. I agree. He'd be so and you know good. it would be funny. I think what he could do is, like, kind of a dysfunctional Texas family dramedy at Christmas, <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. Kind of a feel-good holiday, maybe a little bit of darkness in there, because I think he likes when there's sort of that touch of comedy yeah, with a little, a little bit of seriousness. Mm-hmm. I'm all in. Me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah it's mean, not uh, a grand fam kind of Christmas. Probably movie. not exactly a grand fam <laughs> Christmas. You know what killed what killed me, and I restrained on this Poker Tuesday. <laughs> what? What, Kev? <laughs> listen, and you're going to see there's, there's a growing contingency, first of all, of polka fans. Honey, and second, Maria. I got to go pee. And secondly, <laughs> again. No, I wanted to come in so bad, but I knew you were going to yell at me. Yep, totally. I was going to come in on the mic and just say, uh, Matt, just a real quick, your opinion on slow coffee. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I think he you would like have. a nice slow coffee. Wait, Jeff. by the way, I think I don't think have. anybody would appreciate slow coffee more than him because he loves that shit. He loves Fuck the bumper stickers. You see, loves... I'm being held down. I'm tired of being silenced. He's writing oh all God. his notes. Right? He would have been like, slow coffee, what's that? Just right. like the range range um, anxiety. Kev, he would have been so I would have so said, Jeffy Greengram. Kev, fucked up. Kev, fucked up. Kev, fucked up. You guys, I could have. I'm going to piss my I would have said the Grams. I would have said the, the, the Grams and, you know, they, they, they get together. They have slow coffee mm-hmm. and just just. Yeah, that's on you, Kev. And by the way, very controversial <laughs> to put him in that position, you know, but I, to get that answer, who knows what he would have said. Yeah. True. Well, we know how Kyla, Kyla Pratt. Yeah, yeah, we Kyla know how Pratt. Kyla yeah, not a fan of the slow coffee, She Jeff. was not, no. And um, by yeah. the way, has she been getting a lot of hate online? I think we're talking, no, we're, her PR people would want not. us to do a retraction of some kind. But Guys, he's kidding. No, For I'm anybody who doesn't kidding. understand Kevin's insane humor, I just want to make What's, sure it's very clear. Well, slow coffee, um, Maria. It's like, it's a hot topic. But uh, I will say, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's always cool when you get to talk to somebody and have a long format to enjoy them in and I never got to enjoy him in this format and so he was everything and more I thought he would be um Jeff of course kudos to that incredible intro um he obviously really loved it and you guys did so much hard work both of you all three of you to prepare I didn't do anything (laughs) no I really didn't didn't you no the office of president-elect we don't do anything okay cool well you're about to do a lot no now I have to do work your hard work too I just before we Rap, I want to credit you as well. It's one of my, it's, I love working for you in that capacity because producers know that talent isn't always this way. So you worked hard too. Pat yourself yeah, another, definitely another marginal yeah. effort, Maria. I was definitely fishing <laughs> Sur- for compliments. Serviceable. We'll, Serviceable. We'll, we'll edit it. We'll edit well, all, all and you know, stuff. Do I still got it, we'll honey? We'll make it tight. I mean, it's fine. Oh it's my fine. God. Fine. We'll get by. What's, I think what's by my time, score? By the time we're done editing this, I, I, I think. You'll you make know, it sound good. I think it'll be commendable. Okay. Okay. <laughs> See, I was gonna say, Maria, that I love it because no one does an interview like you have. Like I listened to so many different interviews yesterday. No one does an interview like you do. So Thanks, it was beautiful. Kel. There's a mix of like humor, of realness, of learning. It's really, really cool. It, it's really always cool. nice when you get star on star. But as I was explaining to the, the kids, you know, a lot of the podcasters. Um, they they're working. They'll work a lot harder because they don't have that star cushion to sit back on. And so when you get a star and star interview, sometimes it's it's a little light, but sometimes it's nice too because you get to see how the stars think and they speak a different language. But with you, you there's enough star in you, but then there's also still the interviewer. Yes. And then on top mm-hmm. of it, the fact that this show is based on helping people, and that's what this guy's all about. So it really was. Yeah, it was something real special. Matthew and Maria, Roll out the daytime the show. That's right. Yeah, can we Let's have, have a barrel of fun? <laughs> oh my god. The double M show. Double the M barrel. show. I love that. Double M. Double all right, M. all right, all right. Okay, how come no one's playing Roll Out the Barrel for our poker? Because she doesn't get it, Tuesday. honey. Kev. Huh? No, she gets it. She's she afraid just knows... of you. She's afraid no, of you. No, we she just knows lady. the, what Kelsey are those people that I, you like? The, 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 Kelsey and the I pop have band guy. One is, Direction? The One Direction people. We love people. One Direction. The Jonas Brothers? She and doesn't love, get it. And we love Shout the out jo- to Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde and your new relationship. I Damn. don't know how I feel about it, but you do you. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nobody asked you your opinion. All right, guys. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. Uh, I know I sure did. If you want to know more about Matthew's uh, foundation, Just Keep Living, you can head to jklivingfoundation.com where you can learn about how empowering high school students provides them with tools to lead better lives. So it's a foundation that obviously Matthew is um, very passionate about. It's his foundation. And also, of course, his book, Green Lights, which, by the way, the cover is so cool. If you get to see it without the, oh. um, the cover, too. I really like it. Um, it's available wherever books are sold. And I, uh, you know, I don't recommend things if I don't really mean them. And this book is such an incredible read, especially, by the way, if you are someone who wants to be in this business. I was learning so many things in there that if I was pursuing a career right now, I know would be really helpful for me. But then if I'm a pers- pursuing the journey of wanting to get better, like we all are here, you're going to learn so much. And then if you just want to have a little bit of fun and hear some insane stories, I mean, they're all in here. So the book is incredible. He's incredible. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, in the meantime, tomorrow, we're going to be chatting with the CEO of 24 hour home care, Ryan Iwamoto. He is uh, going to tell us how to care for our loved ones safely. Uh, of course, smart. And then without breaking the bank, because these services can be very expensive. And, you know, going through it right now, I wanted to share with you guys what it looks like, how to do it, and how to get around kind of the challenges of it all. So if you're put in this position, you know what to do and that you're armed with the knowledge because when you know better, you can do better. Um, We interview uh, a ton of celebrities on our show and our highest goal is always to give you a different, more compelling side. So if you guys would like to subscribe to our channel and check some of those out, we would be very grateful to you. Uh, If you haven't joined us on Patreon, we have some amazing workshops that are coming up. Click the link in my Instagram or on Better Together with Maria to join us for our uh, upcoming one with Deirdre Hayde. But then we have so many more coming up. We're going to do that breathing one with Aubrey for sure. I'm sure you're already talking to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is it. Thank you, guys. You can follow us. A lot of talk about getting Woe Vicky and Bad Baby on. Yes. Yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Follow (laughs) us at Better Together with Maria, at Official McConaughey, at Jeffrey Crane Graham, at Kelsmeyer2. I'm off. He's off. Uh, And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.